Block Talk, presented by Feeding the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there is an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me a Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to keep Block Talk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at michaelblocktalk, on Twitter at blocktalknyc, and visit theaterthenow.com for its news, reviews, and interviews. If you haven't had a selfie with my next guest, are you even somebody in New York City nightlife? It's activist and queen mama vaccine, Silidoro. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me. I I, I, I'm very excited to have you. Um, now, do you know how many selfies you've taken over the years? Well, it's definitely my, more than I have. Well, my cell phone takes three days to sync because on my cell phone, I have 67,000 pictures. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. just on the cell phone, not in the computer. Right. So quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I am very excited to have you on the podcast and I'm excited for the listeners to get to learn all about you. And how I always like to start is we start at the beginning with the very easy question. Where are you from? I'm actually from Massachusetts. All right. Uh, what part? A very small, very small town, Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I went to school I'm, in, I went to school yeah. in Boston. So I know, uh, but I know Massachusetts a little bit. Right, right. But you went to school there a long time <laughs> later. Uh, but I knew I had to leave. Mm-hmm. So I left at 17 to go to college. So I went to the University of Maryland. And so that really freed me uh, mm-hmm. to do what I wanted to do. Uh, well, I didn't know at the time what I wanted to do. And uh, once I found what I wanted to do, which was theater, I ended up getting my master's down there as well. And so from what? there, I went right to, to New York after my master's. So I really left Massachusetts for good. So what was the biggest like culture shock, would you say, going from Massachusetts to Maryland? It is still the East Coast, but um, it, for my knowledge, it's very different kind of lifestyles. Well, you know, we're talking 60 years ago, <laughs> talking 55 years ago. Uh, so you go from this, you know, hick town, well, not hick, you know, but it was a big town, but uh, mm-hmm. you go from Worcester to a college town, which is still insulated because I'm in the dorm. Right. And so I don't get out very much, you know, unless I take a bus to go to DC kind of thing. I had relatives in Silver Spring. So that's why they let me go down there because I had sure. people there. Um, so uh, I just had more freedom to, to see people and meet people. I didn't have a big network of, of friends. Plus I was, you know, I didn't know what I was and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and you know, a whole gay kid thing, you know. And back then, no one talked about it. So right. I didn't talk about it. So and I didn't talk about it then either because I was still, you know, identifying as straight and doing both. So um, it was a freedom I had that I'd never had in, in Massachusetts, sure. Uh, but it was still a little restricted. But uh, once I got to graduate school and left the dorm, that was a whole other, you know, uh, era. Let's talk about theater. What was the bug that got caught when you started to learn about theater and said, that's something I'm very interested in? 
Well, for me, you know, since I'm the only child, which explains a lot about me, um, and selfies, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it wasn't a choice in the beginning because my mother really had a lousy husband who was never around, so she took me, did everything with me. So I had tap dancing and, and, and jazz and clarinet and Boy Scouts and Greek school. And da, 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 da. So she filled it up where she could do things with me. So I was sure. in dance school at three and a half years old. I didn't ask to be in dance school at three and a half years old. I have my recital from 1954, my first recital, <laughs> you know, uh, when I was four uh, in 1953. Okay. So, um, so I loved it. I loved being a ham on stage. I did. Um, and I continued doing it all the way through till high school. And I went to two different teachers. One teacher, you know, finally said to me, I can't do any more for you. You know too much in tap, mm -hmm. in tap and go to this new teacher. So I went to this better teacher, better school. And she was New York trained and it was good and tough for me. And, uh, so then I started, uh, then she left to go to Iran to teach the shop Iran's kids. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's how long ago it was. So I started choreographing uh, variety shows for the, my high school, for my church, for all these different churches around. I was choreographing and, and directing shows as a kid. So it just came naturally out of that. But I was really a journalism major. I like to write. I was editor of my high school newspaper. So as far as what I thought I was going to do, it was going to be journalism. But uh, okay. I always loved doing the other stuff. And so then when I went to college, I went as a journalism major. University of Maryland was big on journalism. Yes. But back then, in the 60s, you had to take all these credits before you mm -hmm. took anything in your major. And take all these basic things, you know, the math, the psychology, right. whatever, the languages. So I didn't get a chance to even take a journalism course. So finally, my second semester of my sophomore year, I had a three, three classes, three credits. And uh, there was an acting class open. So I thought I'd take it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I'd have fun. Uh, so I took the acting class and it was beginning acting and um, you're in a group and they give you a director and you do things and stuff. And then you do scenes. And so I did the scene and, the, and my teacher said, who directed that scene? And I said, nobody. We just put it together. He said, someone had to direct that scene because it was flawless. It moved well. Someone knew what they were doing. And that someone was me because mm -hmm. of my dance background. I knew how to move people. I didn't know the real reasons. You know, I just sure. knew you boss over here. So um, that summer is when I said, you know, to my parents, I think I'm going to go to theater. And they like freaked out a bit. I said, who put me in dance school? Who did all this stuff for me? You know, I mean, I tap danced for Senator Ted Kennedy at his inauguration. Oh, wow. All right. That was like, you know, 65 years ago, um, 60 years ago. So, um, so they understood, but I was in college. That was okay. You know, their first generation Greek. You know, born mm -hmm. here, but you know. Uh, so uh, my junior year, I started in theater, and I had a lot of flack from everyone there because who's mm -hmm. this guy coming in as a junior, and we don't know him. And I was in the closet, so I had all that baggage, and I took a directing course, and I aced. I was the director. And I said, Who the hell is this guy coming in? And you know, I wasn't part of the theater group and all that. Sure. And when you're a director, it's different than if you're an actor. Yeah, um, you don't have the same people you hang around. And since I never smoked, drank, did drugs, never been drunk, never been high, I didn't go out and party with them. Right. I just didn't do that. Sex was a whole other story. 
which would have to excise out some of this. But I'll tell you some of it. I will tell you something. So anyway, so I started being a director and then I started directing more. And the more I directed, the more I got known. And uh, so that's how my last two years uh, were totally immersed in theater. And uh, when I did my senior thesis, um, I had to do uh, two of them. But my, my, my undergraduate was Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. And uh, no one wanted me to do it because it was too big. My professor says, too big, too many people, can't do it. And this was before there was a Jesus Christ Superstar. There mm. was none on Broadway at the time. So uh, I did it all in dance. And it's funny because it wasn't lip synced. We just danced to the original track. And I okay. staged it and did all the things. It got to be such a hit. Some producer came and gave me $10,000 to do it in DC. And so in the, middle of, in the middle of graduate school, I had to quit that semester to produce the show and direct and choreograph the show um, at Trinity Theater in Georgetown. And it was a big deal, I was 21 years old. And so we, I, we flew in people, we hired people, um, and uh, it was gonna be a big hit. And then the superstar on Broadway closed us down. Sure. So that was a big blow to me. And then I went back to grad school, you know, and finished up and I took a long time to do it. I had to work my way through. And uh, then for my senior thesis, I had to do uh, choreograph Gypsy on the main stage mm -hmm. in the style of Bob Fosse because my superstar was so Bob Fosse-ish, I realized that's where I was going. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I wrote my master's thesis on Bob Fosse and choreographed Gypsy down there. And then I started doing dinner theater, taking jobs away from my professors in college. So uh, at that point I said, I need to get out of here. So uh, this one kid, I was working in a clothing store. This kid comes in and says, hey, Worcester, I'm from Worcester. There's my paper boy from Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> I said, Eddie, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I'm in a show at Kennedy Center. I said, you're the straight, you know, like jock kid who was three years younger than me. And uh, so he said, well, when you're in New York, come and visit me. I said, well, where? He said, well, go to Phil Black's dance studio. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that was. So anyway, that person came back the next month and was doing Damn Yankees with Gwen Verdon. Mm -hmm, and I went to mm -hmm. see that, and I met Gwen Verdon when I was doing my thesis. And then I went to New York. I went to Phil Black's dance studio, go up those stairs, up the stairway. I mean, like, and I was hooked. And I yeah. walk up there, and this teenager had this Chicago shirt on. And I said, oh, my God, I did my thesis on Bob Fosse. Where'd you get that shirt? She said, my mother gave it to me. I said, your mother? Who's your mother? Cheetah Rivera. It was Lisa Mordente. That's how I met Lisa mm -hmm. uh, back in 1975. So, and that kid, that guy, my paper boy, ended up being Eddie Mecca, Carmine the Big Regu from LeBron Show. Amazing. Yeah. You, he just you, died last year. This is really crazy because I, in sixth grade, did a book report on Bob Fosse. Wow. Sixth grade. I was a theater kid um, very much. My parents brought me to theater. My mom would always take me. And Chicago was one of my big entries into where I would say my love for theater came. Um, and in sixth grade, we had to do like a biography report and we had to include a puppet um, with this report. So I decided to do Bob Fosse, re read one of the, um, the biographies and decided if you're going to do a Bob Fosse puppet, it has to be a marionette. So I made a Fosse marionette. And since that day, he's really been one of my 
biggest idols and one of my heroes when it comes to theater. Um, obviously, we learn a lot of um, true and false in that Fosse Verdon show, um, but it was really cool to see just the life of Bob Fosse. What drew you to Bob Fosse? Well, what happened was when I was doing Jesus Christ Superstar, I designed it on a rig stage with um, uh, sort of stained glass floor. All the people were dancers in dance wear, dance skirts, right? And um, then when uh, Jesus dies, I did the Greek Easter service with candles mm-hmm. walking around. So that was that, as I mentioned. That following spring, there was a new show coming to the Kennedy Center on the way to Broadway. So I go to see it and I go in and there's no curtain and it's a rake stage, stained glass on the floor. Mm-hmm. All the dancers are in dance wear. When the lead dies, they take out candles. I said, this guy's stealing my show. <laughs> and that show was Pippin. There it is. So that's what sort of legitimized what I was doing, what tools I was using for theater. I wasn't saying he stole from me or he came down. Sure. Yes, the Jesus Christ Superstar cast from Broadway did come down to see my show. Charlotte mm-hmm. Crosley, who was one of Bette Midler's uh, Arlettes, you know, she had come down. She knew people that were in my show. Anyway, so that's what convinced me to do my thesis on Bob Fosse. And my professor said, oh, no, do Jerome Robbins, do Fosse. And we're talking, you know, the 70s. He had already done a cabaret. Right. And, and, and so, but I convinced him uh, to do it. So that's- Do you have, do you have a favorite Fosse number or-, or Do I have a favorite Fosse number? Of course I you do. I want to know what it is because I do too. Well, the whole, I have many numbers, but the whole point of Stella, if I want to jump ahead 30 years, okay, mm-hmm. because I did not do drag when I was young at all, ever. Okay, so uh, to jump ahead for a minute, um, I went on vacation in 2003. I'd never been to a thousand naked gay men in the Poconos. Okay. I said, let me do this. It doesn't cost that much money. I'm not going to Greece or anything, you know? So I went and I was already old. You know, in 2003, I was already 54 years old, but I was in great shape. So I go out there and uh, I loved it. I had a great time, great everything, great sex, great everything. And they had Mr. Leather, Miss Lace, Disco, you know, all that stuff. So I go see the Miss Lace contest, the drag contest, and it was awful. So I go backstage and I say, hi, guys, you know, I'm a director, choreographer. If I can help it anyway next year, I'd love to help. And they were so bitchy. I mean, his guys, they were naked. They could be doctors, mm-hmm. lawyers, Indians, and they were still, you know, bitchy. And they said, well, bitch, you have to come back and you have to do it. So I said, me, do this? Butch me? You know, I mean... So I got really mad and I was still teaching dance at the time in 2003. Mm-hmm. So I had a studio where I could rehearse. So that's when I got my mind going. So what can I do that's easy, not easy, but you know, like I don't have to dress up that much. So I thought about cell block tango. Yep. Because out in the Poconos, this theater holds a thousand people. This is a proscenium big with, you know, spotlights, everything. So I, des- I designed it with six chairs. I did all six Mary Murgises. All I needed was a bra and panties and a slip. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one wig. They did my makeup. I had no name, right? So right before, I'm packing. I'm in my, this room, which is right here. And the roommate at the time had a blind date. And uh, my roommate says uh, to the blind date, oh, my friend's doing drag. He doesn't have a name. And this guy who I don't know says, what about Stella Doro? And there went, it is. Oh, God, there it was. And my grandmother's name was Stella. It's age appropriate. It's, it's ethnic. I mean, I'm Greek, not Italian, but mm-hmm. uh, I now have a tattoo on my back in Greek, Stilene. But uh, so I went up 
two days before I went out to do my first number. That's how I got my name. So I go out there and uh, we rehearsed. Yeah, there's a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And they were a little pissed because they had already planned somebody else to win. And my number was a little too long. It was five minute minimum, uh, maximum. And Sawbuck Tango was five minutes, 16 seconds. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, when they saw it, they saw it was, it was too long. I said, do you want me to cut a Mary Murderous? Why don't you look at it first? So when I did the number, like it was like silence, right? And you heard people in the back like screaming. So uh, I get out to the number and I win. This lace trip to Puerto Vallarta, this whole thing, Ooh. right? And uh, so I'm flabbergasted because I haven't done this ever. And uh, since I was in the dance world, I got dance shoes from Phil Duca that I knew, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, after the, the, the show, you go to the dining hall and get received and you get, you know, congratulated by everybody. So people are coming up to me, what are you doing next? I said, nothing. I said, this is it. I had one thing. And this one old guy came up to me. Oh, guys. Well, you know, old guy came up to me and said, don't let Stella die. And he just grabbed my shoulder and I went, what? And just when he looked at me, he said, you connect with the audience and I love what you did. I mean, it was like, freaked me out. Mm-hmm. So that's when I came back and I started telling my friends, maybe I'll do this. And they went, oh God, you're a clothes horse. That's all you need to get clothes now for women. You know, you'll be really in debt. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And, uh, and then a new club opened two blocks away from me named Therapy. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. Uh, and then a drag queen, Brittany Maxwell, Okay. Very old, old world drag queen had her own cable show. Anyway, she was selling drag clothes down in Soho. So I went to the sale and that's where I bought my first clothes and wigs from there. Mm-hmm. And I had had everything already. I didn't have to think up any new numbers. I'm at the beach with my Walkman, Michael, and I've been choreographing <laughs> numbers for 20 years already, but I didn't think it was going to be me doing them. Right. So I had a whole stack of stuff I could do. So um, I go to, to, uh, to therapy first time, see all these young kids and everything freak out. You know, I come with sunglasses and a hat and bring all my stuff and dress in the, in the clothes check room. And I get out there and I do cell block tango. What am I gonna do with one chair? Mm-hmm. Throw it down, mm-hmm. put it back up, throw it down, put it back up. And wouldn't you know, I win, right? And so the host, Alison Tilson, this big softy, great lady, says, what are you going to do with your money? She always asks the kids, you know, they say, I'm going to mm-hmm. buy drinks, I'm going to pay rent. So I said, I'm going to give it to Project Achieve. She said, what's that? I said, it's the HIV vaccine trial network. And I'm on the community advisory board. So she took her mic and stuck it in front of me and said, so you're the queen of vaccine. And that's what struck the bell, uh, like the bulb or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I went, oh. So I went back to the board. I said, do you outreach at night? To, to kids. And they went, no, you know, they're drunk and everything is hard to table. I said, what if you give them a card? You know, and they'll remember the card the next day. Mm-hmm. And what if I go out there and do it and give it to them? So they liked that idea. This one manager liked the idea and trusted me. So we made up cards and I was queen of vaccine. And I would listen to your mother, Stella says. And we decided to do a show every year. It's Vaccine Alicious. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing that show for 18 years. And Allison was the first host. And then she left to get married. And this new kid who didn't know it all named Peppermint some Pepper something. Yeah. Gummy Bear. Peppermint Gummy Bear was her original name. 
Yeah. And uh, so she took over as host. I said, I was never host. I was only doing a number, right? Yeah. And so I would just do a different number every week. I was working full time at the Ameri at uh, Channel 13, which I'll go into later. Um, so I wasn't doing this as a, as a profession. I was just doing it because it was fun to do. And the people at my work at Channel 13 thought it was a hoot. They mm -hmm. were just hysterical. And they wanted to see every video I did of it. I put it up on, on YouTube. So I started doing numbers at, at therapy and I started winning 57 times, who's counting, until <laughs> 2009. And we got Peppermint to host to the Vaccine Alicious shows. And then when I got laid off from Channel 13 in 2009, I decided to give everything up. I wasn't really invested in drag. I was only doing it once a week. And I said, I left the board of the New York Blood Center. Uh, my, my job was gone. I said, and I was 60 years old. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm done. So I tried to find another job for two and a half years, could not find a job. I was going to hire a 60 year old man. And uh, I had to take early um, retirement. And, but during that time, I also made contact with a group called Dancers Over 40 mm -hmm. while I was at Channel 13. And I got them on TV, on our arts channel. We interviewed them. We, I, I took the camera and shot them in different places. And I became a member of Dancers Over 40. Through my time at Channel 13, I became on the board. And all of a sudden, I became president while I was still at 13. So I had that crossover. And then they started paying me. Sure. So, um, <laughs> so I started with Dancers Over 40. At that time, I crossed over my Stella and my Dancers Over 40 and 13. So it crossed over at the end of my time at 13. So, uh, so then I started really doing what I love to do is like producing and mm -hmm. putting together shows and directing shows for them and writing a newsletter, doing a, like the journalism, writing their yeah. newsletter. The there same it thing is. High school. It was like, oh my God, I'm doing the same newsletter. Um, so, uh, so that's how that carried over. And I got the new, new logo and the motto, our history, our legacy, our lives. And because of that, I use that with the kids too. I use that and drag mm -hmm. that too. So anyway, so I quit. I had surgery on my ankle, all this other stuff. And then Peppermint emails me, hey Stella, I got this new gig downtown. Can you come and help me start the show? I said, oh, it's a too young a club. I can't have a barracuda thing. It's too young. <laughs> and oh, come on, come on. So I go down and really intimidated. I watch first, you know, and then I get up there. And then I went again 9,000 times and I don't leave, you know, and I've been there since 2012, I guess, you know, just that's amazing. My number, just doing my number and, you know, winning occasionally and, and seeing the kids progress and sometimes leave and whatever and hand out my cards and meet the kids and hire the kids to be either in Vaccine Delicious every year or the contest mm -hmm. do, or for my dancers over 40, once a year we have a big event at Lips where we honor five people and we do drag numbers that have to do with the Broadway shows that these mm -hmm. people honor. So that's how I cross over my drag stuff with dancers over 40. Uh, so that's how the theater thing happened. That's how, and, yeah. and in, in between that, I was directing shows in, in Pennsylvania. I was directing equity shows in, in New Jersey, Club Benet Dinner Theater. Uh, so I knew all the, I knew all the dancers. I knew them sure. all, but I was adjacent to them. I wasn't a Broadway person. And I was the egghead that wrote my master's thesis on Paul Fossey. And I met Nicole Fossey. I'm close to met Gwen. And so because of Dancers Over 40, I got to work with Nicole and do shows about Gwen Verdon and about Bob Fosse, we did the men of Fosse, the women of Fosse, those are all on YouTube, you can all watch mm -hmm. them on the Dancers Over 40 uh, YouTube's channel. So that's how that all came about. But I didn't start drag until I was 55. 
So when you say this stuff about never- teens that you know have been around for ages, I don't identify with them. I mean, the book that's Fair. out about all these queens, they started 30, 40 years ago when they were in their teens and 20s. You know, and I, I think they're great. It's terrific. But that's not me. I only started 18 years ago. Yeah. Hey, better late than never. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- we we have a lot to dive into, but I, I want to learn a little bit more about um, your interactions with the Fosse family. Did you ever get to meet Bob Fosse? No. I only met Gwen. And I only mm. spoke with Gwen and interviewed Gwen. Uh, and even back then, I knew it was dangerous. Sure. I knew the score because I researched him enough. You mm-hmm. know, and I got more information that was educational from Gwen than I would. And to be perfectly honest, his secretary lives in my building and kept me away from him too. And I said, fine, fine, I don't need to That's talk fair. to him. I don't need to talk to him. And now, then he died really quickly. You know, I mean, died right. in six. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I obviously, again, love Chicago, um, the revival and I went to actually see Fosse, the musical, multiple times. It was the first time I ever staged door because for whatever reason, I had this big love for B.B. Newworth. Adore her, still do. Um, it was the first time I ever got to meet her was at the stage door for Fosse. But I remember that show was um, really eye-opening because just how unique and beautiful he was as an artist. Um, did you ever get to see Fosse when it was on Broadway? Oh, I've seen everything, you know, I've seen everything. <laughs> um, and the uh, important thing was when I was at Channel 13, um, mm-hmm. I was associate producer on the Arts Channel, which is how I got yep. Dance Play 40 on. But then they canceled, they, they canceled the Arts Channel and fired us. And like, we had no, no job. So I'll, there were only seven of us working on the whole channel. Then they hired the producer and me back, but they put us in different departments. So I ended up in programming, which is a step down, but it was a job. Sure. I'm in my own cubicle, and that's where I could do my other stuff. My dance stuff for 40, my stuff. I could mm-hmm. do that still. So anyway, I was in charge of doing some contracts. So this must have been 2005. So I'm doing contracts for this lady who's doing this Cantos Latinos uh, um, wraparound, and it was Cheetah Rivera. Mm-hmm. So I go to her, and I and, and my bosses, my two female bosses, they don't say anything to her. Don't go on about how you love, blah, 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 blah. Just give her the contract. I said, okay, okay, okay. So I go to the green room, you know, and I go, here's the contract, Mr. Rivera, can you sign them? And she starts to look down and then she looks up and she grabs my arm and says, oh my God, it's you. You're the one that did the South Black Tango. I saw it on YouTube. I called up Graciela Danielle. I called up everybody. You are fantastic. Do you know who he is? Da, da, da. My bosses were livid. I didn't plan this. <laughs> it's all her I, fault. I did not plan this, right? So, um, so that's how I met Cheetah. And then when I became president, we had a board, you know, uh, uh, one of our board members was very close to Cheetah, the West Side Story with me. Mm-hmm. So he got Cheetah on the board. And then I got the rest of the people on the board, Mark Champion and Graciela Danielle and Jerry Mitchell and all mm-hmm, the other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Cheetah started doing some of our events. Our Jack Cole event, which, you know, Fosse was very influenced by Jack Cole. And uh, so finally she said to me, why don't we do Subluck Tango? Get it together. I said, what? So put it together. You're doing a dance concert, right? I said, yeah. So 2012 at Alvin Ailey, Dance Over 40, did a dance concert where we, re- we reunited the entire Subwalk Tango ladies. That's incredible. And so I staged it so that, you know, I had to be careful with Cheetah uh, how to do it. So uh, I staged it so I would do all the beginning numbers, all the ladies, 
know, all the monologues. And I had six chairs out there. Mm-hmm. And then the dirty bum, 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 the dirty bum, bum, bum. I go off stage. On comes Cheetah and the five ladies stamping their feet because that's about all they could do. Sure, sure. Stamping <laughs> their feet. They walk down stage, do a turn, sit on the chairs, pose, right? By that time, I'm off stage. They strip me, took off my makeup, put my suit on, and I go back out to interview them as John Safakis, president of Dancers Over 40. So that those people in the audience don't know that Stella Doro, the queen of vaccine, is John Safakis. So that's how that happened in 2012, 10 years ago. Um, and she's done a few things since, and we uh, at Dancers Over 40 did the 60th anniversary of Westside Story. Mm-hmm. Her, and we did that in 2017 so we're still in touch uh, i love that yeah let's talk about stella a little bit how would you describe stella in three words three words um, my mother adjacent okay all right she's not my mother but uh-huh. um I didn't fr- form her on her because she's a little bit more body than my mother would be. But she's also a little bit naive like I am. I am very naive, believe it or not. Uh, not when it comes to sex, but I am very naive. Um, I trust people a little bit too much. Uh, so, um, so I've always tried to make her accessible. That's, the point because that's what that person said. That, that Absolutely. Ability, you know, and... Uh, and then I do try to like everybody, though there's some people you know not fond of, but um, you know on 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 the whole, you know I mean I like everybody, and some people just don't like me either. You know I mean they see mm-hmm. selfies, they see this stuff as more self-aggrandizement or self-promotion. When I didn't do anything else, I'm not out to try to get a big show or do something. You know right. I'm doing this so that I can tag the kids, they get known. And when they go and see their picture and they see Stella Queen Mama Vaccine Project Chief Columbia University, it brands mm-hmm. Columbia University. So uh, that's why I do that. And uh, everyone wants to take a picture. And I love taking pictures with them. And uh, so that's how that evolved into that. How long does it take to transform into Stella? Uh, a while, because this is an old face. Okay. You know, it, mm-hmm. uh, and I never had a drag mother to teach me anything. So one at a time, you know, if you see pictures of me, oh, you know, 2004, five, six, seven. Oh my God. I mean, Peppermint didn't wear hose. I didn't wear hose back then, you know. <laughs> I didn't block on my eyebrows, you know. So I had one at a time some people come over to help. So Pattaya uh, Hart taught me how to block my eyebrows. Miss um, uh, Cracker did my makeup once to show me mm-hmm. a little bit about eye stuff. Um, and... Uh, uh, <laughs> Britta Filter came over. It was Halloween. I said, let me be Britta Filter for Halloween. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. She apologized afterwards. It just did not work. (laughs) I could not be Britta Filter. Just this face could not do it, you know. And I got to understand, I had no wrinkles, you know, and uh, I just really can't do that. So um, it's still a crapshoot when I do my my makeup. I mean, I know more basics. I can't do a lot of powder because, I mean, Mm -hmm. wrinkles and stuff. I can't do all the stuff that the queens do. You know, I have to think about you know, um, uh, how to apply things that are um, concealing but not overpowered. So, yeah, uh, yeah so that's uh, how that evolved. And uh, I still need work, believe me. And I have to say, I have to complain a little bit. My wigs, you know, I mean, I get them from professional theater people 
that are like really looking like real wigs. I don't do big font crazy things like, you know, and I would like to get one like that. So I would try and outreach some of the queens. None of them responded or they were all busy or they were booked. I could not get these days to help me. Only Jasmine Reichlebeha, Jasmine Reichlebeha was the only one that came over and helped me to do some wigs and tease a bit. And Thut Kiki came over when we were doing Star Trek a little bit when I was helping Star mm-hmm. Trek. She came over. But everyone else I asked, which I won't name names, um, was either too busy, couldn't do it, booked. And I'm going to pay these people. This is not, I wasn't doing this for free. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I have 9,463 wigs, which you can see. But uh, uh-huh. do you have but a favorite? Still, my favorite. Uh, is the blonde flip. Everyone loves that. Sure, that sure, sure. It was the most expensive one. And then the blonde with the bangs. And then my curly flip wigs are in, in brunette and, and dark, um, I guess are the best. And there are some character wigs, my cell block tangle wig, which is just mm-hmm. for that. Of course, of course. You know, um, so I have some that are, that are specific for a number. You know, so, uh, so that's how I work the wigs. Now, when you get ready, do you have any traditions or, or do you have to be like in the Zen mode? Do you have music playing? How is your preparation like? Okay, well, I prepare like a night before. And because okay. I've been so busy today, because I have another event tonight on StreamYard for Dance Over 40, um, I set up my table in my living room. I have a big apartment. I'm lucky. It's my lottery. Yeah. You know, I've been in this apartment since 1976. Carry the one. Lucky you. Okay. So um, it's a big apartment. So this... What you're seeing here is where Stella performed for COVID. Sure. Part, you know, and if I turn it around, I can turn it around for you so you can see it. I know the audience can't see it, but no, they can't. Uh, but this room is oh, the beautiful. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you see some of the mirrors up there. So, uh, yeah. so I prepare the table and uh, get that all ready. And I have to decide what number I'm doing. Because I only do one number. You know, and sure. I try and make it a theme, you know, so I, I have to think of the dress and the wig and then the makeup and pull out the right colors or what I think I'm going to do. And unfortunately for me, it ends up looking the same half the time. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I try and, and, and visualize it that way. Uh, a couple occasions, Akisha would say, there weren't enough people, we're going to do two numbers. So I had to do another number in the same outfit. How, how dare I have to do the same outfit? Um, you know me with outfits, Michael. Of course, I know. I remember. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so, so I prepare. I just, um, you know, I do prepare early, much earlier yeah. than I need to. Um, I just sit down and I breathe you know, a little bit and I start. And I go in and I really listen to the news, basically. You know, I don't listen mm-hmm. to people. And then once I'm done, I'm done early. Then I attach my, um, my iPhone to my TV and I rehearse mm-hmm. the number again and get ready and uh, get the Uber. Because I have to get Uber or Lyft. You know, I mean, I can't do the subways like the kids do and, uh, and get down there. So um, for me, it's a bigger preparation now because I can't. Sure. I, I watch Keisha. I'm in the Uber going downtown and I see Keisha's still just putting her left eye on. You know? <laughs> and I'm done and going to the club. You know, mm-hmm. So some of these kids can, you know, whip it out fast. Uh, I remember seeing Sable Cities uh, at therapy. She ran in to be in the contest and just went zip, 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 and she was done. It was like amazing, amazing. So I still have a lot to learn. Yeah. Now, when it comes to New York City nightlife, there's really been a lot of 
evolution, at least in the past 10 years. But the biggest change happened, um, what I call the before times, which was pre-COVID and then post-COVID. What have you found has been the biggest difference um, from the before times to how nightlife is now? Well, don't forget, I've been through a couple of iterations of nightlife. Sure. Of, oh, of course. Few. So, um, and because I don't drink, because I don't socialize, because I'm older, I have no friends that are my age. I mean, that I would socialize with. I have a couple of friends on the board of the Institute of 40, but they don't go out at night. I mean, sure. when I win at Barracuda and I thank them, I say, thank you, because none of you here came for me. You came right. because you're in the audience. My friends are either asleep or dead. Now, so, <laughs> uh, so I don't have a gaggle of gays. I never did have a gaggle of gays to go sure. out with. Uh, so, uh, and when I go out as John, they ignore me. They look right through me unless they know it's Stella and they say hi to me. You know, I mean, that's the way it is. I know that. Um, of course. And when I go out for other things where they're not looking at my face, I do very well. But, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I don't do clubs a lot. So I wouldn't know. I only know the clubs that I perform in or the clubs I used to perform in, or I go to see people when I support them and go sure. to see their shows, which I do. Um, so... Uh, the difference I can only tell you is the difference between Barracuda post and pre-COVID totally. and say like Hush where, where he did Vaccine Delicious mm -hmm. um, which we had a scare in the middle of the show and we had to test everybody and we had to take the food away and the, you know that was a, right. well, the same day of the show uh, so um, it built up, the audience built up and built up you know people had masks on now they don't mm -hmm. and uh, matter of fact this last week uh, normally I ask somebody to take pictures for me when I'm on stage because I take them. Of course. So one of the performers, little Ronnie, who I love, she's just fantastic. Um, she, by mistake, took a video of the whole number. And I got pissed at her because then you had to click on this thing on the phone to take shots of the video. <laughs> it's such a pain in the ass. Anyway, the number was pretty funny. And it was a COVID monkeypox number. I never uh -huh. do mixes. And don't do mixes. I'm not good at mixes. I'm not Tina Burr. But... Um, but this one thing I did, I did a mix of Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, nice Greek boy who I know who's part of the CDC now. I did an opening monkeypox. Then I did another piece of um, George Carlin talking about polio and, and immunizations. Uh, then this Valley girl talking about getting COVID. And then I got to clap, everybody got to clap, everybody clapped, STDs. <laughs> and the song they went through it was, I've got you under my skin. There it is. Well, they were hysterical. It was, uh, I had a great time. So I'm glad that she did film it, you know, for that. So um, uh, was that the question? I totally forgot. Yeah, that works. So, now, the other big change that I feel like you've experienced when it comes to nightlife is how Drag Race has taken over and has taken a lot of um, people you have been close with. Okay. Well, first, um, let me go into Vaccine Delicious a little bit. We've been sure. doing vaccine delicious for 18 years mm -hmm. and it's been drag queens most of the mm -hmm. time, right? But we've used Jiggly and Peppermint, of course, a lot. And Mila, I remember Brittany Houston, AKA Mila Jam, in one of our mm -hmm. first vaccine delicious shows. So when we were doing this last vaccine delicious show, the man that's in charge of the works for Columbia, who was a very nice straight guy. And uh, he said, you know, Estelle, we have to really be more diverse and what we do here for this contest, we just can't have drag queens. I said, Jorge, have you been to a show lately? You have not. I said, 
there are trans men, trans women, there are straight women being in drag, there are uh, um, spoken word, there's all this other stuff that I can get into the show. So we did have that. We had trans men, trans women, we had you know a spoken word, all that was in our contest. The only issue was they were all white. And we wanted to be yeah. more diverse. We could only have two, I only had two people of color. It was so weird. Here we're trying so hard to put mm -hmm. one in column A, one in column B. You know, now granted, uh, a couple of the black queens were unavailable at that time sure. to show that day. So uh, that limited that uh, as well. But uh, the evolution of drag, I don't think had to do with RuPaul as far as not at all. trans and not at all. Um, how they look, how they perform, if they want to mimic them, you know, fine. You know, I mean, with the hair flipping, cooter slamming, you know, the kids get a kick out of my senior citizen death drop, you know, that I do, <laughs> you know, which I can still do. Um, uh, no hair flipping for me, but uh, I'll do a senior citizen death drop every once in a while. Um, but uh, I was around before Ruth started Drag Race, so I didn't know anything about the makeup stuff. Right. And, uh, and yes, I was at therapy when a young Honey Davenport and sure. kitten with a whip. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and I, I beat all these kids and Britta and all these kids. <laughs> I beat, you know, and I always remind them of that, that I beat them. And, and, and Jasmine, who was, she had 9,000 different names. I forgot her names back then. And, uh, and I had Bianca over for dinner. I had Bobo. I remember when Bob came over for lunch with, with um, oh, I forgot his name, his best friend, blonde, skinny guy. Doesn't do drag anymore. Anyway, so we had lunch and I'm saying, asking about them, what are you doing next? You know, mm -hmm. what do you want to do next? And he said, you know, I want to do comedy. Comedy is what I want to do. If drag gets me there, fine. But, you know, comedy is what I want to do. And we're talking yeah. 2008, you know, now. Um, and, uh, and so I still have some kids over and I give away some of my outfits, like Teray now. Um, we have a great sparring relationship. I win one week, he wins one week. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the costumes are a little bit, you know, iffy. So I said, come on over. I have some stuff that is not good for me anymore. It's too young for me. And so I gave him a ton of stuff. And so she then parceled it out, decided what was good for her, and then gave other stuff to other queens. So then <laughs> I was at a show and, and um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the large black drag queen said, Stella, I have your wig on. <laughs> Trey gave me uh, your wig. <laughs> um, so I try to spread the wealth that way as well. Absolutely. Um, the kids. So, uh, so I do have them over to talk about what they want to do, what their lives are, and to help them out that way. Um, I can't help them with makeup. I can't help them with careers as far as where to go. I mean, a lot of people will email me, where do I go? I tell them where to sure. go for contests. You know, and the contest route is the way to go. And you work your mm -hmm. way up. You do the barracuda. You do the pieces. You do the, the look clean. You do the uh, polish the clean. You do all that stuff. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Um, and get known, and then you leave and say goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still here, you know, but I'm bummed. Good name for a number. So, have, have you ever had like a moment where you're like, maybe I will apply for Drag Race? I did the second year, second year. Yeah, oh, I'm not, I was a fool. I'm not, I had my camera trying to do it on myself, <laughs> walking around with this camera, you know, showing uh -huh. my uh, my uh, my uh, my wardrobe and all right. this stuff. And I did do clips of my numbers, my upper ladder to the roof, my Dorowettes, my backup girls, but it was so hokey. I mean, you know, and I was already 60. 
you know, so uh, they weren't. No, it wasn't. I was only 58 or something like that, I guess. So we talked about Star Search a little bit. I want to go a little deeper. Um, why is Star Search such an important competition for up and coming drag artists? I think um, it has evolved. And I think it's thanks to the hosts. And, mm -hmm, absolutely. And, and the place. Uh, now, it is a different animal than the other places. It is. Um, I think that the talent that is there, and I have to say, since I'm one of the constants, since I'm there all the time, um, there have been two and three year growth spurts where people have stayed for a certain amount of time. There was sure. the Egypt, Yasmin, Stella, mm -hmm. um, uh, Jasmine, Van Wales, um, and it was the four of us, and that's it. And we intimidated everybody. No one else wanted to come because we would always win. If it wasn't me, it was Yasmin. If it wasn't Yasmin, it was, it was Egypt. Um, but the caliber was much higher at Barracuda, sure. I think. And uh, so it intimidated some of the queens. And now that those people have left, the new people came on, and the Castradas came on, and the Castradas left to be mm -hmm. another superstar. Um, and uh, I think that it's getting known as a really, you know, uh, a better place to to show your wares, and 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 the audience is very particular. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember when a very young, very smart Erica Clash came. Absolutely, and she never won. And we talked, and I went to NYU to see her reading of her play. I met her mother. And, you know, she wanted to do what she wanted to do. Yeah. And it just didn't click at Barracuda because they went into anime. You know, they right. weren't. And now she's a big star doing anime, doing all the things she wants she to do. You know, God bless her. I mean, I love her. Listen, so, if you know, Erica Clash magically appears on television again, I hope she does very well. Just, just, just putting it out there. <laughs> Yeah, and I know her mother mm -hmm. and her sister, and yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so I think that it all depends on the people that are in the show mm -hmm. and the hosts. I have to say, when I got there, it was peppermint. It was yes. fun. Then peppermint left, and there was the reign of Mimi Makin. Uh, Mimi, I'm first, and I mm -hmm. left. I did not agree with the way she handled the show. I didn't respect the girls. So I sat in the audience and didn't perform. And then I left. And uh, at that point, there was a new kid doing a show around the corner at X XES. And I went to that and I won there a couple of times. And the host of that was this new kid, Tina Burner or something. Yeah, just some new kid. Yeah. So that's where I met Tina Burner. And uh, then once she, uh, and then Queen had hired me to start Queen at Industry. Mm -hmm. So I was doing Queen at Industry. And then <laughs> Tina got fired from XES and she got whatever happened, she broke the table and broke her arm. And so she ended up in the Queen cast with me and Shaquita in a cast on her arm and Peppermint and I are doing an En Vogue number. I mean, me, Tina <laughs> Turner, Peppermint, I think, and, and, uh, and uh, Blackie and Nasty. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we, would, we did this uh, En Vogue number. But, and then I started following Tina, and then Tina got, as soon as Tina got the gig at, at Barracuda, I said, I love her, I'm going there. And I was there the first day, and I never left. And, uh, and then uh, Keisha took over, and, and Keisha had been a sub a couple of times anyway. Right. And I've known Keisha, you know, before at other places too. So, um, uh, 
So that was great. So uh, the, that transition was was fine. And again, another pro. You get pros working there. You know, um, it really runs smoothly. Um, and they have to be interested in what the artist brings. They have to be there to help and support and and right allow them to grow. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, and I learned a lot from Shaquita because Shaquita sort of mm-hmm. found me. You know, I was floundering, going here and there, and and I went to some. On my own, I went to one of those uh, big parties down at Union Square that's after hours. I got in, I was in drag. And I didn't know anybody, but I was in drag, they let me in. And that's when I met Shaquita. And, uh, and, and she, had, she had subbed for Peppermint a couple of times at therapy. That's right. And I kept on winning every time Shaquita was there. So she got that. So, so she wanted to hook on. So she said, listen, what are you doing? I'm doing this new thing at, at industry. I think it'd be great for you. And so that's when we started doing Queen. And we did it for, I guess, six, seven months until we fired everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there we went and, you know, Dallas took over and the other people took over. Um, and then I did uh, uh, open for her in Cherry Grove when she started mm-hmm. those Monday nights. And then I did Martini with her. Again, just being uh, a guest, you know, just, you know, doing a number and trying to win in the contest. And uh, then I did Rise and uh, I did a little hardware, but not a lot. But, uh, you know, we all have our egos, you know, Shaquita and I, and, you know, and my background is directing and, and telling people what to do. And sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, <laughs> I have my chair at Barracuda, which until like two years ago, I never put my name on it. Now I go, I, 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 <laughs> I tape down my name to the chair. But there's one time I was there when Tina was, was host and, I put down my clothes on the chair or something and someone took the clothes off and sat there. And Tina saw my face and went, uh-oh. <laughs> I started <laughs> with this girl. <laughs> you do not cross Stella out of her chair. You know, and plus talking about chairs, you know, I have to buy my own chair, you know, when I, you know, I perform. So there was a chair at, at, at Barracuda, there was a chair at therapy, there was a chair at industry, there was a chair at you know, I have to buy my own when I do my cell block tango or when right. I do a number. I do a lot, lot of chair work. Uh, so. Now, for those who are interested in doing Star Search, what advice would you give them? Would you say go in and, and cater to the audience? Would you say go in, do what you want to do? How do you enter Star Search and make it successful for you as an artist? I would say, I don't want to sound like a Cub Scout or whatever, but be prepared. That's the important thing. Uh, if you're not prepared uh, for the experience, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that Shakrita hit it right when she talked about her new rules. But um, adjacent to that is you've got to be able to perform for the audience, not at the audience. Sure. And a lot of these people are too self-absorbed into look what I can do. I can do this. I can do a, a cartwheel. And I can go into this. And that doesn't make you win. I'm a testament to that. I do a number without that and I win. So um, <laughs> you've got to, be, you need to be true to yourself too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes that discourages people like Erica at the time. And a lot of the, some of the Brooklyn Queens. And I love them. Like Gray Area, I think is so talented. And the numbers she does are incredible. Does she win all the time? No. You know, and uh, Alex the Matt, brilliant. Love her. You know, so um, they have a shot, but the audience at Barracuda also makes a decision. And they're a specific audience to that specific sure. community. 
right. you know, which is different maybe than the pieces audience in the village, you know, or, um, you know, an audience at Playhouse, you know, um, right. uh, so you have to cater to that, know, you know, what you're, you're, um, you're performing up against, but you gotta be, you know, real, and you gotta know your lyrics. Oh my God. I have queens up there that, you know, matter of fact, Michael, when I started with Peppermint in 2011 at Barracuda, Michael, he was a nightlife guy. He wasn't a drag queen, but he was a, you know, like Michael Musto? No, 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 Michael. No, Musto? No, not Michael. No. Michael Musto is doing my show tonight. Oh, my fun. Yeah. Um, no, um, I forget his name. Michael something, something. Um, anyway, during the lip sync, he was on stage in a chair, stage right. And his whole job was to, to grade us on our lip sync, three feet away from us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And at the end of the number, it was still the audience response. But then Michael would talk to us about how our lip sync was. And that was brutal. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that lasted for a while until Peppermint left. Yeah. So believe me, when I was judging iconic, I would be taking my notes and that would be when we would do our weekly feedback, that would be part of it. I'd be like, there's a difference between saying words and using your words with your mouth. And it's hard and it takes time and it takes practice. And the one thing that I always told our artists was lip sync into the mirror and watch how your mouth is moving. And you'll, you'll feel it. You'll, you'll know when you're actually embodying that voice. Um, I have a funny story about that. Uh, when I was at Channel 13, and mm-hmm. uh, I just started drag and whatever, um, and I was memorizing lines. And of course, I had my, my headphones on or whatever in the subway. Sure. And my boss, uh, uh, I was in my boss's office. And she's a sort of a, you know, Upper East Side lady, but she occasionally takes a subway. And she said, John, I have to tell you, I was on the subway a few days ago, and you were on the subway on the other end of the car. And you look like a crazy person talking to you. <laughs> and I didn't want to come over and say hello because you look like a crazy person. Because I was like lip syncing and doing it. And at the gym, at the gym, it's funny because I have Chris Savoy who works at Playhouse, you know, who I love to death. And um, I'm working out, he's working out. And all of a sudden he'll go to me, he'll go and point his finger like, uh-oh, she's lip syncing. And she's, you know, bench pressing 160 pounds and she's lip syncing. So I lip sync everywhere. Yeah, uh, if I don't have those earplugs in, and to learn new music, you know, not new music in the sense of I ain't doing Renaissance, you know, <laughs> I don't mean new music. I mean a new number. Sure, uh, sure. You know, I tried. I don't want to. You know, I'm there every week, so that's 52 weeks a year. I cannot do Salvat Tango 52 times. You know, um, so I do new new numbers and try them out, like the Monkey Pox number, or um, I did my first Whitney Houston number about a month ago. I'd never done a Whitney Ooh. Houston number. You know, so, um, so yeah, so, uh, so, and then there are the gimmick people. Mm-hmm. There are. Yeah, there, there, there's another, there's the gimmick people and then there's the groupie people. So the groupie people are the kids that are there because their friend decided to do drags for the first time and they're going to support them. And they scream and yell and they win and they never come back. Mm-hmm. Okay, a wasted opportunity for everybody else. Then there's the, the, the gimmick person that does a really good gimmick and it works and they win. Um, nothing. If you have a really good gimmick, um, I came in second at XS in their thousand dollar contest to Brenda Darling, who was two, and that's when she started and did the kick sure. and all that stuff, right? But the year before that, when, when it started at, um, at the big contest at XS, um, 
busted was in the show as a contestant. Mm-hmm. She did, I'm telling you, I'm not going. You know, and she just stood there and sang it, right? And on and you and you and you, she just made 9,000 and you and you and you and you and you and went through the whole audience. I came back and I'm going to love. <gasps> she took out an inhaler, put it in her mouth and did me. Mm-hmm. $1,000. Other is? people are like dancing like the crazy and doing all this shit. And she won $1,000. But well, but well planned, well done. If you have a yep. real good gimmick, then it's going to win too. You know, so you got to think about that too. We're going to play a little game. It's called This or That. I'm going to give you two options, and you're going to pick which one you prefer. You ready? Day or night? Night. Well, well, in the summer day. (laughs) Right. Tea or coffee? Neither. I don't do caffeine. There it is. 80s 80s or 90s? I don't know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, though, I would say 80s, definitely. Because that was the, the VCR era where I, I had a tape in my machine and every time MTV had a new video on, I would tape that video, that Michael Jackson, that Madonna, that Whitney, you know, that era, uh, that dynasty, mm-hmm. all that stuff was on a VHS in clips. I had yeah. all that stuff there. That was, to me, an incredible decade. As depressing as it was with HIV and all the rest of the stuff. Cabaret or Chicago? Well, if you do Cabaret, the movie, which is Bob Fosse, <laughs> most of the Broadway show, which is not Bob Fosse. Um, Artistry-wise, they're both brilliant. They're two different genres. So, you know, to compare apples and oranges, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, people really never got to see the original Chicago. So they missed right. that. They really don't know what went into that show. When they see this, copy of a copy of a copy of Dior right. uh, that's on Broadway now, um, that's nowhere near what it was. Right. But in terms of artistry, I really have to say Cabaret. It was, the movie was absolutely stunning and brilliant. Cheetah or Gwen? Cheetah or Gwen? There's no way I'm going to answer that. No way in hell. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Now, I have to say, Cheetah will defer to Gwen. And to me, she's sure. done it. And on stage, she, she said, I'm here. She put her hand here. And then she put a hand above that and said, Cheetah's, uh, uh, and Gwen's up here. Yeah. And she always talks about doing a nowadays when the, when the, mm-hmm. the um, mm-hmm. cylinder opened and there they were on stage with their canes. Yeah. And she said, oh my God, I am on stage with Gwen Verdon. Yeah. So That's Cheetah cool. always did defer to Gwen. Um, so, but in you know, longevity, of course, you know, Cheetah has that and uh, Gwen never had it. Scotty or Data? Data. Data. Captain, Data. Captain Janeway or Naota? Um, well, Uhura or Janeway, you know, it's like, um, so you're talking about original Naota or current Naota? Whatever, 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 whatever you're feeling. Well, I mean, original Naota, yes. Mm-hmm. Spock or McCoy? Spock. Picard or Kirk? Picard. All right, there it is. Ooh. And you know, I was part of to probably go for, right. uh, for a year. I was on the board and I started performing with them. And once they get built up and they got their kids involved, and I get too busy with dancing over 40, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm doing. Uh, I said to Michael, Heather Wood, I said, Heather, you take all of this stuff. You know, you and, you know, I got them going as far as the 
501c3 and and uh, I give them, gave him a table at our Broadway Cares uh, flea market. Mm-hmm. Our dancers have a flea table because they're too small to have their own table. You know, so uh, so I'm still around them, but I'm not part of the group anymore. What in, attracted you to Star Trek? I mean, I was watching it as a kid. I was watching it 60 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I was there. As a matter of fact, it was so long ago. We didn't have TVs in the dorm. We had to walk to the student union to watch it on the man, one TV that was black and white um, in the student union. And uh, I was always into science fiction and into science. And I had a friend that was abducted by aliens, by the way, in college. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he's in one of the books, you know, and uh, and I went to the, you know, all the, the, um, the UFO um, meetings and uh, talks and to get the book that he was in. And uh, I went down to the front of the stage where they had this, you know, talk, a uh, panel. And I'm just you know, listening to the people. And this one lady comes over and says, so when were you abducted? I said, I, I wasn't abducted. She said, you were abducted. I can tell you were abducted. <laughs> that was like a little weird. And then uh, with my volunteer work, which we can get into with HIV, the first thing I ever volunteered for was 1989, which was a... Um, a psychological study of HIV negative men versus HIV positive men and their T cell counts. And it was to see if stress would be bad or good for people with HIV. And they were trying to say that you shouldn't have stress and you should be calm and it'll be better for you. But they found the opposite. The more your T cells go up, the more your body fights. So, and with me, I said that was negative. It was my parents divorced, my parents died. I got laid off from my job. So you could see my T cells go up and down. You know, mm-hmm. um, but um, anyway, in the midst of that, they had to take an MRI twice a year. I had to go into the MRI machine, right? And so they, they call me and they said, Oh, by the way, there's a little problem with your MRI, and we can't do anything because it's a volunteer thing, but you should go and check it out. I said, What? Well, there's something going up to the artery, it's like a, a lima bean in your artery going up to your brain. And if it moves, you have a stroke and die tomorrow or next oh, year. Oh, no. So I freak out and I go get the, uh, the extra, the MRI. And uh, I see this little line of bean thing, like an island in this stem on my brain. And I thought the back of your brain, your brain was in the back of your neck. It goes through your nose, which is exactly where the aliens put the little things that my friend who was abducted told me. <laughs> so I get the next MRI and it's gone. And I said, see, Michael, it's gone. And they said, well, they, have, they came and took it out because you found out about it. <laughs> So that was my, you know, alien scare. Oh man, that's funny. All right, Dancers Over 40. I want to go a little more in depth about it. Um, You are the president. Right. It's an important organization. What happened was when I was in my 40s and and I hadn't had a boyfriend since my 30s, I decided to go to uh, the Gay and Lesbian Center to go to Date Date, which was a new Mm -hmm. thing back then. Date Mm -hmm. Date. This is before the, you know, internet thing happened, right? So you go and you get embarrassed like crazy. You know, you get a number and you have to stand up in three minutes and say who you are and sit down. And at the end, you get a little IBM card and you put down the number of person you like. Mm-hmm. And if another person puts you down, they put it through the little computer and you match and you have to go on a date. And usually I get no one and leave dejected as usual. You know, um, so uh, this one time I was there, this guy got up. Older guy, he was 55, old guy. Uh, and uh, he was a nice looking guy, but older. 
And he said, my name is Chris Nelson and I'm president of Dancers Over 40. I went, oh, so I went over to him with my card from Channel 13. I just became a social producer. And I said, listen, maybe I can help you. And uh, so he took the card, but he didn't call me back. And so then I saw him at my gym and I said, I remember, didn't do anything. And then I was doing some activist work and I was on the pier. I don't know, it was down in the village probably. And I was in a G-string, platform shoes, an inflatable banana on my head and condoms in a in little baskets. Mm-hmm. And he comes by, then he calls me. <laughs> and I, uh, he's not president anymore. And this other lady was president. And so I contact her and we get together and I become a member and uh, I understand what the group is. And I know a lot of the people from my thesis and people like that. And so I, I just join and meet people. And I'm one of the younger members. And this is when I'm like 48, 49 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're great people, just absolutely most incredible people. And then they fired this lady, a big coup happened. And uh, another lady called me and said, John, would you like to be on the board? And I said, I'm not one of you guys. I was not on Broadway. And they said, but we need your skills. You know how to put together things. You know how to produce things. You know how to write. You, you have computer skills. We need somebody like that. I said, great, sure, I'd love to. So I came on the board and the newsletter was really awful and was not mimeographed by some old ballet guy. It was Greek, this old ballet Gus. So um, I started doing the newsletter and I got to know all the people's names and who they were and doing the mailings and, and writing the newsletter. And uh, so, and I got it, I had a roommate, of course I still have a roommate, who's young and I got it printed up um, uh, really cheap. And uh, so that's how I got to know everybody. And then as we went on, we had the meetings in my apartment, the board meetings, and people were getting very upset with the new president. Mm-hmm. He was floundering on, and the organization was floundering. We went down to 70 members. It was not doing well. And people quit because they just didn't like him. And so I had to confront him and say, listen, it's not working, and uh, maybe we can share, and you can be vice president for a little bit, and I'll be president, we'll go back and forth. So we tried that, and he didn't work. And, uh, so finally he quit and I just became president. There was no one to do the job basically. Sure. And uh, so I took over and that's when I thought up, there were no panels, there were no performances except a party in the spring and a party in the winter. That's all they had done. They had done all this stuff in the nineties. So uh, mm-hmm. I reinstituted these panels and performances and uh, we started at a dance studio doing them and then ended up renting out a theater. And so we've done the men of Fosse, the women of Fosse, uh, Jack Cole, Michael Bennett, uh, Joe Layton, Michael Kidd, Peter Gennaro, Ren Verden. Um, we've done uh, two shows on tap, The Rockettes, Radio City Musical Court of Ballet, Jerry Mitchell's Diversity. Um, we've done uh, a couple more on Ren Verden and the legacy, uh, Ren Verden legacy, Fosse legacy. Mm-hmm. We did the 40th anniversary of dancing. We did the 60th anniversary of West Side Story. So those are the things that I produce and put together every year for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is, a, as I said, a crossover with drag with the show, the, sure. uh, the uh, annual Legacy Awards we do at LIPS every year. Yeah. So, um, so that's how that happened. What has been some of your favorite crossover events with the Legacy Awards? Who have you brought in? What uh, have I they done? I brought in Tina Burner, uh, who did a, we did a, we did a, gotta get a gimmick. With Anita uh-huh. Tina Burner and, and the Holly Box Springs, the Pattaya Heart, it was hysterical. 
mm-hmm. uh, with your Brenda Darling, with Pattaya Hart, did Music in the Mirror in front oh, of gorgeous. in front of Donna McKechnie was getting an award. The original cast. Uh huh. Yeah. This is before Pattaya got all the awards. You know, before she right. became Wisconsinental everything. Um, Pattaya, Keisha, uh, Holly, uh, Heidi Ho, uh, Suddenly Seymour. They love Marty G. Cummings. Um, who else do we have? And we try and, and, and as I said, you know, put together the shows that our members were in with mm-hmm. drag performers that have done numbers from those shows. Sure. So, so this year we have the original Evita of the Afternoons, Lonnie Ackerman, mm-hmm. whose mother is Seema Rubin, who was a big producer, the only woman producer back in the 60s and 70s. She didn't know no Nanette. So, mm-hmm. uh, and she was the Grisabella re- replacement too. So I'm going to have a few people do Evita, a few people do uh, Grisabella. Busted, I wanted, I want Busted to do his cast number. Um, <laughs> well, I've got it already planned for December, what I want to do there. And we're doing uh, the 15th anniversary of Pippin in October. Oh, very exciting. And we're doing 40, the 42nd year of 42nd Street, mm-hmm. three weeks from tonight. Oh, exciting. At, at the Triad Theater uh, yep. on West 72nd Street. Uh, we reuniting the cast of 42nd Street with Leroy Reams and it's going to talk back to the audience. Um, so we don't usually do things in August, but we were forced because the 42nd Street anniversary was August 24th. Well, I, I mean, I, we were talking about Fosse earlier and talking about favorite numbers and everything, but my favorite Fosse number is from Pippin. I'm obsessed and have always been obsessed with the Manson Trio. It's always oh, oh, been of course, of just course. for me so beautiful. So when I got to see the revival, I got a little emotional watching it because yeah. they kept the actual okay. choreo. Kept it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it under the other way. Yeah. We did it. Um, if you watch on our YouTube channel, we had some other people do it. And the Fosse's assistant called me and was so upset. That woman cannot do that anymore. She is too old to do it. I mean, we talked about an original person that was doing it. Like, you know, Louise right. was incredible in her day, you know, mm-hmm. and we're talking about Fair. 2008 when she did it, you know, many, many, many years later. Uh, and we always had that issue about how do we present numbers when our members can't do them anymore. Mm-hmm. So we have to bring in young people, but the young people don't have the experience sure. that shows in the performance. They have the technique, but they don't have the age that goes with right. it or the, or the knowledge, all the knowledge to put it together. And sometimes the audience doesn't, you know, they understand, they understand sometimes they don't, uh, but we try and, and, and make a blend of, the, of, of yeah. both. We did 42nd Street Reunion 40, uh, two years ago before COVID. We had, I would say, 18 of them on stage doing the original opening tap number. And they're all late 60s, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, some early 60s. And they did it two years ago. Yeah. So well, God bless them. I've, said, I've always said when I become super famous on um, Big Brother and then them asked to do uh, Dancing with the Stars, I want them to include me learning the Manson Trio for my set. After, of course, when I win it. So that's my dream one day. When I was um, doing my thesis and I was in Maryland, I would come up to New York to uh, to see my old girlfriend, Patty. That's how long ago it was, right? <laughs> and uh, and I, there was an audition for Pippin. And I said, let me go to the audition to learn the steps so I can write my thesis. Yeah. So um, I rent, uh, I'm at the Edison Hotel for a booming $16 a night, 1972, <laughs> 73, right? And this is for the touring company of uh, National Touring Company of Pippin. I'm non-equity, of course, you know, at the time. 
And so I go in my ugly dance wear and there are like, what, 600 people? Yeah, it's on the stage yeah. of the Imperial Theater. And they do the T for two, original Fosse, you know, that you see in all that jazz. Mm -hmm. And um, I do the night and I see this one pretty woman who was like looking at us and she's like moving her arm, like do this, do that to me, like signaling, turn your hand this way. Well, okay, thank you. I got kept for the first cut. Went, oh my God, you know, um, so I got kept for the first cut. And then we do the second thing, which is the magic to do a uh -huh. mime thing, right? And so I do that and I'm talking to this cute guy next to me. I mean, he's gorgeous and he's a pro. I can tell you, muscular, he's definitely equity, you know? And I'm, I say, I'm only here to do my thesis, blah, blah, blah. So I do the mime thing. I get kept again. It gets cut down more, right? And I'm laughing. I'm only here to do my thesis, right? Then we do Sins of the Flesh. Mm -hmm. I mean, the barrel turn onto the floor, the whole thing, right? Do that. I get kept again, and I'm hysterical. <laughs> now we have to sing. And I do not sing, which is why I lip sync, okay? <laughs> and, but my friend in college taught me some songs. You know, sure. to do this, do that. I've got your number from little me. And if you have to do magic to do, do magic to do. So I get out there and I do magic to do. You know, there are eight of us left, Michael. Eight of us left, <laughs> including that handsome guy, right? So we're sitting in the, I'm sitting in the audience of the Imperial Theater watching this stuff. It's like amazing to me. I'm a kid. Um, so uh, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, they call me to go off. And this older lady, older lady, other lady um, with an accent. Um, says, I want to thank you very much for coming. Um, are you a professional mime? I said, no. I did not say I did my master's thesis on Bob Fosse. I didn't say that. Well, we really like you. You have potential. We're going to keep your, your resume and come back and see us again. I didn't go into you know, what I was doing. Sure. I was very depressed. And I leave. I go downstairs to change. And who got that? One guy got it. That cute, hot guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I leave. I go up the stairs. And that pretty girl was there. And she said, I want to thank you for coming. You're really good. I want to thank you. What could I do better? Tell me what I could do better. Sure. That's me as a director. What could I do better? And she said, well, your, your dancing was fine and your singing was fine. I said, what? She said, what Bob can't stand is when someone gets up there and sings and tries to choreograph the number like Bob Foss. You just get up there and sing. Don't. Yeah. I was doing magic to do it. My hands going. So that's what I learned. Just stand up and sing no matter what. And that was Pam Sousa who was Lipschitz. Mm -hmm. And the other lady was Captain Doby, who was one of the molecules of Anne Ranking and all that jazz mm -hmm. and yeah. the system for all those years. And everyone's dances over 40 person. They're all people I know I now. That. That's know? amazing. So, uh, Everything's so was, full circle. Yeah. I mean, how I turned my directing and producing into this from what I did, you know, because I did two Pippins and Harrisburg and at Fordham mm -hmm. and I did two Chicago's. I did, uh, you know, equity dinner theater and uh, New Jersey, Club Benet did the theater where all those kids went on to do Phantom and Chorus Line and other things. And uh, it just seemed to work best for me to do that. You're entering year 18 of Vaccine Malicious. Um, let's talk a little more about that. Why is this important for the community? Well, you know, um, at first for me, it was because I knew I was a selfish spoiled brat as a kid. And because I knew that, I tried to give back. I remember as a kid um, doing 
some fundraising for the Jimmy Fund, which was for the Red Sox. <laughs> Me with <laughs> baseball. Can you imagine? Yep. Right? You know, but I knew I wanted to give back to people because it was all about me all the time. And uh, so that was that. And, and that is an issue I have to deal with uh, always. Um, but uh, then when, uh, you know, I get all these jobs when I came to New York, everyone gets these other secondary jobs, but all the jobs I took, I ended up getting promoted or something, usually. Mm -hmm. um, be it book publishing or um, HBO was where I left, I hated it, or American Lung Association or Channel 13. So I was at, HBO at the time in the 80s and age just happening, you know, and uh, um, I was aware and I'd already done my live sex on stage, which we can talk about later. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I was reading the New York Post and Liz Smith's column and she was writing up about um, uh, Pat Buckley, this socialite who was giving a big party and her husband uh, was a big right wing guy, okay, William Buckley awful man. And he was saying that HIV positive men should be branded or tattooed with a plus sign on their ass. Mm -hmm. And so I got really upset about this. So I wrote a letter to Liz Smith. Dear Miss Smith, we love you. Didn't say we know you're a closeted lesbian. <laughs> we love you and everything. And I know that you know what you do for volunteer things and everything. But you did this thing about Pat Buckley's, you know, event. But are you aware of her husband and what he is espousing now, which is really mm. not good for the gay community? Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Tons of things, right? So I sent that off to the Post. And then for some reason, I said, let me just send a copy to the gay newspaper, mm -hmm. Gay City News at the time. This is 86. Okay. So I sent it to Gay City News. Well, <laughs> the next issue of Gay City News had a picture of a pig with with Liz Smith's face on it and my letter. Oh no. And she railed against me as this radical activist, leftist, whatever. I went, fuck you. And I joined Act Up as soon as I could. And that's how I started my activism because of that. And, uh, and even back then, Act Up was too radical for me and it was too, um, uh, not immersed, um, uh, clicky, very, very clicky. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and for a reason, a lot of them were all positive people trying to get together, and I wasn't, right? And a lot of them didn't have jobs because of that, and I had a job. And uh, so I found the housing committee, which I thought was a good place for me, and trying to help people get housing. Sure. Uh, so I joined this housing committee, and we did some things that were sort of radical. I didn't like to put my body on the line and get arrested. I wasn't you know, used to that. So we did a lot of good... Um, um, protests and things. And uh, it wasn't until later on that Charles King and Eric Sawyer came on when I left and they became head of Housing Works and that's Housing Works. But sorry, that's this thing. But um, so in the middle of all this stuff happening, I had, of course, roommates. And during the 80s, things happened. I had a very pretty boy roommate, but a gaggle of gays and they all fucked each other and they all mm -hmm. started to die. Right. And so my roommate, while he was here, Sarah converted. And I could tell. I was in the business. I was, I knew what it was like to Sarah convert. I could see this happening. And it was no big deal to me. I knew I wasn't going to get it. Um, quote unquote. So um, I was very supportive of him. And because he was a pretty boy at the time, he got in an underground trial. 
And he asked me if I could be on his, be his second support him. I said, sure. sure. So I had to go with him to the secret location and the walkie talkie thing, the cell phone was as big as a glass. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're talking 1989. And uh, so it was all these rich people and him. And this doctor was very famous. She was Robert Maplethorpe's doctor. It's all underground. It was uh, compound Q, which was a, a cucumber plant from China. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a drug. It was really, a, you know, a, a vegan kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they got all got infused. And what happened was two weeks later, he was dead. And he was the only one that died on that. And it was a long story, which I won't get into, but it's in the book, uh, How to Survive a Plague by David France. And it was traumatic for me. It was really traumatic for me to see him, you know, just dissipate and no one helped him. That was my right. point. He knew what he was signing up for and no one helped him. Right. No one was there to support him as he was dying. You know, he took this chance. So then it was up to me, go back to act up to decide whether I break this to the New York Times. Up to me. And so I decided, yes. So I contacted Gina Collada, who still is a science editor at the New York Times, mm-hmm. and told the story. And I said, don't use his name. He's dead. You can use my name. Did she use his name? Yes. Why? He's dead. You know, I mean, sure. so I was on the front page of the New York Times. It was a big deal. And Act Up crucified me. How dare he, you know, do this and put the name out of the doctor when she's done. And there was no internet. I had to type things and have mimeographed and bring them to right. the uh, meeting. So I stood up in the meeting and I said, how many of you have read the consent form that my roommate signed? None of them had read it. But then then fuck you. I said, Yo, you have all this passion and no compassion. I am out of here. Mm-hmm. Even the editor of the New York Times wrote me a letter saying, you're in a good, um, you're in a, a group, including me, John, who had been lambasted by Larry Kramer. <laughs> so well, I survived that, but that was a really tough thing uh, to go through. And then of course, it was in the Times. I had to go home to tell my mother. My mother read the Times. I was not out to my parents. My parents had slipped by then. And so I go home and I didn't even come out to her. She didn't get it. She didn't understand. I told her that he died of AIDS. And all she cared about was, were his parents there? That's all she cared about. I said, Mm -hmm. no, they weren't. You know, and uh, so I didn't have to tell her anything else. And uh, she's in denial about a lot of things anyway, you know, with her husband. And uh, and then she was a smoker, really smoked a lot, you know. And I kept on, you know, trying to tell her, stop, stop. And I said to her, Ma, did you smoke when you had me? She said, of course I did. It was good for you. They told you to do that. Uh, and then she said, you know, it's not like AIDS. I said, what? She said, no one told us. We didn't know. I was yeah. like, you know, I was floored. You know, we're talking, you know, 80s here. Um, right. And she died like a year later. Uh, of something else, you know. But uh, anyway, that was my awful AIDS story. So then I went from from ACT UP to Gay Men's Health Crisis, where I became mm-hmm. a buddy because people were dying and they needed buddies. And so I was a buddy, and then I became a team leader. And then I realized that if I left, someone else could take my place. It wasn't, I was getting more radical, and I thought I needed to do something else. And this other radical organization was coming up, AIDS Prevention Action League, so I started doing that. And there were these real smart smart people, Urvashi, Urvashi Vaid, who just died, a wonderful mm-hmm. lesbian activist. Uh, Michael Warner, Bill Dobbs, who's still alive and a lawyer, taught me so much. And we, we, we did uh, protests, we did 
floats. I designed the floats, of course, Mr. Theater. Of course you did. And, uh, and there's a picture of me in page six with my long black hair and my thong. Uh, we had a bed on stage and a bookstore nook. And we had a sign, more unsafe sex happens in the bedroom than at a bookstore. And so we had mm-hmm. the kids run from the bed to the bookstore, to, you know, and it was really fun. We came in like second, you know, and then that crashed. And then a new group happened when Giuliani took over called Sex Panic. So I started doing Sex Panic and doing the floats for them. And it was about trying to keep these spaces open for gay men, which were being closed right. like crazy. So uh, we designed a lot of different floats, one of which was we rented a police car and we wrote Giuliani's Sex Police on it. Uh oh. I had police hats on and thongs because they had undercover go-go cops at Rush, this young club on 6th Avenue and 17th Street, were trying to arrest kids for drugs. Sure. So we were were fake cops and we would arrest people on this float of this other group that I joined with. I said to my group of sex panic, this group wants us to join with them. They need a lot of HIV information. If If we give them HIV information, make them legitimate, they'll pay for our float. They said, well, you know, they are a commercial organization. I said, do they not die? Do they not have people that are dying? Right. So that's when we joined with rentboy.com. And I designed their floats. I was on their floats for 10 years, mm-hmm. which I have pictures I'll show you later. Um, <laughs> the, last, the last time I was on their float, I was 56 years old in 2005, still on their float. And still have one client left from that era. So, um, so I did that. But, and while that's happening, gay men had to pay to get an HIV test back then. Okay. So in the back of the Village Voice, there was this ad, you want a free HIV test? Come and talk about the sex you have. <laughs> Me talk about sex? <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this you know, place on Union Square called Project Achieve. And uh, there's two guys, Carlos um, uh, Cordero and Paul. And uh, they had this one office and they talked about the sex I had. They, you know, but when did you insert this and insert that? And how many times you have sex? And they gave me a free test. And I go back every six months. And uh, in the meantime, Carlos, Sarah converted because his boyfriend cheated on him. And here he is, part of Project Achieve. It was just the worst irony. Anyway, so I, I did that for about five years. And then they said, listen, there's a real HIV vaccine coming out and they need volunteers. Will you be in the trial? I said, of course. So I was in the first HIV vaccine trial in 1998 that was done by Don Francis and VaxGen, which was his company. Don Francis was played by uh, Matthew Modine in the movie and the band played on. Sure. Which is from the book, the band played on, Randy Schultz. So, um, so I was in that VaxGen trial for three years and it didn't work. It just, it didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when they said, you know, why did, would you like to be on the board of the New York Blood Center? We need people with your experience to look at what? The consent forms, like my roommate signed 10 years before. Right. So that's another uh, comes around kind of right. thing. So I came on the board of the New York Blood Center and they trained me. They sent me to uh, Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center in uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, uh, I met Don Francis. I cried. I, I stood there and cried in front of this man. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, straight guy. Abused by the Reagan administration, you know, all this stuff. And he's still fighting, you know, just a hero, absolute hero. So, um, and then I was still working at Channel 13 
And I got a call in 2006 saying, John, what are you doing this next week? I said, what? I'm here. Said, you want to go to Brazil? I said, what? Some scientists couldn't go, and they want me to fill the scientist place in the International AIDS Forum in Rio. All right. So I had to convince my bosses. Um, and so I took nine days. It was a long conference. And I had to get a really quick passport and everything to get to Brazil. And I spoke at this international about the sex I had, about what it was like to be a gay man in the 80s, yeah. 90s. And uh, it was tremendous. It was great. So I did that. And then, as I said, when um, I got uh, laid off from 13, I quit everything. But I still do projects. I still do the vaccine militia shows. I'm still mm-hmm. involved there. But in the last two years, I've been more involved and they asked me back. So now I'm back on the board of the New York Blood Center. And when we start back in uh, September, I'll be back on the board again, looking at consent forms and seeing what sure. new vaccines are out there to be tested. So that's how, um, and we haven't gone into the sex yet, which you can ask me the questions, but all the sex I've had prepared me for this. So I can right. talk to the kids so I don't slut shame them. So I can show them my dick picture back in the day, you know, and say, yes, that was me. <laughs> I mean, I did look like you back then, you know, because they see these old people, I think that we didn't have dicks, so we didn't, you know, use them, you know. So, um, <laughs> and the one number I do, I don't like to show off. Um, I do Bob the Drag Queen's version, mm-hmm. and I do two other numbers before it. And at the end, I don't like to show off. I throw out my dick pic. I sort of cover it a little bit, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, I still can't do now. I have to put a big dot over it, a big dot over it now. <laughs> uh, but I always throw that to the audience and then do my death roll and win every time I do that number. I love that. So what events are coming up with Vaccinalicious? Well, what they decided to do now that I'm back on the board, uh, this was a once a year thing, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. they lapsed one year. And if it wasn't for me prodding them to do it, they wouldn't do it. They didn't have the money for it. Um, so now that they saw and the people involved in the research were at this last event we did at Hush. And they were so moved by it that they gave extra money to the contestants that didn't win. Mm-hmm. If we only had a thousand dollar prize for the winner, then they gave three hundred dollars to the two runner ups and hundred dollars to everybody else. They were so at, on the spot, you know. So now they decided to do mini vaccine elections because we approached a couple of different places to do it, and we ended up at Hush. So sure. now we're gonna uh, now we have a new Miss Clinical Trials, Miss Clinny Trial Mix. MX has to be, has to be of MX. Of course, of course, of course. Clinic trials, which is adrenaline, and uh, a new queen of vaccine, because they decided to take the crown away from peppermint. They called me and said, so John, you know, we, the board voted to do this. I said, have you called peppermint to tell her this? You know, it would be nice <laughs> if she knew. So they called the agent. You know, I mean, peppermint's a big shot. Of shop. course, of you course. Know, she did our last show. She did. She was on, on video on our last show that we did uh, during COVID. We were in the studio. Um, but so now Ja Love Serrano uh, is the new queen of vaccine. I'm of course still queen mom of vaccine. So now we're gonna do many uh, vaccine illustrations throughout the year. We're gonna do one uh, probably coming out day in October, one World AIDS Day, uh, one either Valentine's Day to set up for the AIDS awareness, HIV vaccine awareness week in May, which is amazing. So thanks to the people that came that saw the, the um, uh, the effect of, that it had on the audience and stuff. Uh, because sometimes these researchers are too busy to be out at night to see a show. Of course, of course. Don't know who we reach, don't know what we do. 
So, um, so hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to publicize these mini things, just an hour or two, you know, where we're not out there to raise money, we're out there to raise awareness, to educate uh, and uh, recruit for the vaccine trials. And if people want to get involved in these events, how can they do so? Uh, well, number one, you can go to, uh, you can always DM me. I guess DM is the word, right? Yeah. <laughs> at, 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 at Stella Queen Mom on Instagram. Or, of course, the old lady, Stella Queen Mom at AOL.com. Um, and Project Achieve, I don't have the card. I only get my card. The website is www.joinusnyc.org. Amazing. www.joinusnyc.org. And you can call Project Achieve 212-388-0008. I have that memorized. Um, Love that. Now, also, I want to make clear, because when I hand out cards to people, I do not know what their zero status is. Right. And sometimes they tell me, and they do it like, well, this is not for me. And I have to tell them, there are two branches of, of this organization. There's Columbia University and the HIV vaccine trials. And there's a New York blood center that's looking for a cure. Mm -hmm. So we are looking for a cure for HIV positive people. And we are looking for a vaccine to protect HIV negative people. You know about PrEP, you know about you know, all the rest of the stuff. Um, right. and, and the, uh, the undetectables and the Devados and the McTarvies, you know, um, everyone should be well aware of all those things, but they're not cures. Right. So, um, so we are, you know, trying to work and trying to broaden vaccine malicious so that we're out there more than once a year and more than just me giving out the card. I had to right. say, um, I was, uh, I don't know, it was just a, a night at Barracuda and this queen who doesn't come there very often runs up to me and goes, Stella, Stella. I was at a party at my friend's house and I went to get a beer in the kitchen and I go to the refrigerator and there's your dick pic on the refrigerator. I went, oh, <laughs> that warms the cockles of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I always staple my Project Achieve things to it. Right, you know? right, right. So, whether it's a dick pic or not. We're going to play everyone's favorite game. It is tea time where I'm going to allow you to spill some tea on some of your favorite people in the industry. And by spilling tea, you can share a story or you can just say how much you love that person. Um, are you ready to play tea time? Okay. Because, you know, I, I do know a lot of people that I don't know them very personally, you know, so some of it may be superficial. That's fine. That's all right. Um, let's start off just Jalisa. Oh, um, I love her. I think she's a pro. I think that um, she is really dedicated to what she's doing. And uh, she says what's on her mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about her. And when we work together, it is, I love it. Because it, there's a down-to-earthness that, um, that you don't get from other people. And, you know, being a person of color, being HIV positive, you know, being out there trying to find a route to perform and a, places to go and to reach out. It's not easy. Um, and I'm glad that she's been with Project Achieve for, oh, a ton of years. Um, uh, since she won the, um, the Miss Pacru contest we had five years ago, which was P-A-C-R, ridiculous, Project Achieve Columbia Research Unit. We changed that name. Um, so um, uh, dedication, I would say, with her. Next up, Keisha Carr. Um, I mean, the kid is a pro. Matter of fact, you know, I was I went up to her like two weeks ago. Uh, because we always talk after the show. We take the picture because I always I do things in order. The first mm -hmm. picture on Facebook is the cast. 
Second picture is me and the winner. Third picture is me and Keisha. Fourth picture is Keisha. Fifth picture is me. Then we do me and the other people and then the other people. Sure. So afterwards, I talk with Keisha about the show, about whatever. So finally, you know, I know it's all about me, like I said. So I said, finally, Keisha, not about me. What the hell are you doing? Are you going to be here for the next eight years like Keena Brana? No. <laughs> Get your equity card back. We should give up our equity card. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you doing? Where are you going? You know, I really tried to confront her with that because I think she's really talented. Uh, she can sing. Yep. Uh, she can dance. So she should talk to me about, you know, her plans and, and her plans have broadened and, and there is a chance for that to happen. And uh, I'm glad because I think that she's so super talented. Absolutely. She needs, you know, to be in. The, well, everyone has to start somewhere and, uh, and go up from there. And this is a great place to be. She has great venues to perform and to hone her talent, which is honed. She's on Broadway already for five years in Book of Mormon. Right. Hello. You know, so, uh, but, you know, the opportunities for people of color are not big. But now they're much more than they were before. Right. So. Next up, Heather Wood. <laughs> ah, little Mikey. Oh, I remember when he was this big. Uh, of course, it's a podcast. You can't tell what I said. <laughs> um, Michael was just a guitar playing, cute little blonde boy at therapy. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, that's what he was. And then he was in our vaccine delicious shows. I put him in shots of us, you know, of our ads that we did. Uh, we shot the ads of Channel 13 back then. Um, and uh, he was uh, a real go getter and, uh, and transitioned to become a drag queen. And uh, I encouraged him. And, and then he started getting these little shows and said, can you, you know, be my guest at the show? So to help, him. you know, so I did that a couple of times. And, uh, but he has a real good job job and he has a husband um, mm-hmm. and he's really dedicated to, uh, to everything he does, whether it's work or whether it's just to proudly go, which he's the head of. And that's when he asked me to be on the board of that and to start them off and get them going. And so we still have four-hour conversations, like once a week at night, about everything. Um, so uh, I do appreciate him. And I think he's a great guy. Next, we have Busted. Ah, another. I mean, I just think she's <laughs> incredible. Um, and we perform so well together. We're so wacky and dumb, you know. I mean, just, yeah. I mean in, a, in a good way. Um, that every time we're together, it's a hoot. We just have the greatest time. I did a show last year at Fire Island. It went on for like two and a half hours. I <laughs> numbers. She did that stupid um, uh, Zataran thing about 9,472 times. Um, Bowen Yang was in the audience. All the Saturday Night Live people were there. Um, I did my Cell Tango with the six chairs. They went out of their minds. Um, I did my I Don't Want to Show Off. I threw out my dick pics. It was the ice palace, you know, gives you more room to do everything I want right, to do. Right, right. And, um, and she's such a pro. She's always been a pro. Um, and uh, that's the, another case of someone knowing what she do, does and what she does, she does it well. Right. And uh, I just, you know, love her. I just sad that I couldn't get out to the island this summer because, you know, she always welcomes me out anytime I'm out there. But I don't have the house anymore where I used to be. So. Next up, another activist, Margot Cummings. Margo Cummings, I don't know him that well. Um, he would ask me to, 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 to do a show or two here and there, and then I asked him to do my Vaccine Delicious. Um, I mean, my um, uh, Dance Over 40 Legacy Awards. Um, mm-hmm. I was never part of the Democratic Caucus thing he did. Um, so um, we really didn't work together a lot. Um, we worked together a couple of times. Um, 
I uh, I remember him from that show that they did with Tina Burner and Jasmine, that TV show, which sure. was pretty weird. You know, I mean, all the machinations that went on there. Um, but uh, um, Marty, I don't know well enough to to really go into anything more than I appreciate what he does. And he does a lot of really great things. Next, we have the iconic Heidi Ho. <laughs> I love watching Heidi grow. I really, and that's something that really. Uh, one of the cockles of my heart to watch these kids start. And I said, you know, where until you beat Stella, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once you beat Stella, you've made it, you know, kind of thing. Um, and to see her grow and do what she loves to do. Um, I think she's terrific and innovative yeah. and smart. Um, I think she needs to um, branch out and go other places. To be perfectly honest, um, I don't want her to get into a rut and stay where she is. Um, because I think she's really, really talented. Immensely talented. Next up, another talented girl, Jacqueline Hyde. I don't know Jacqueline very well. Matter of fact, when I went to see, um, what was it? Um, oh, oh, she she hosted um, a month ago because Keisha mm-hmm. uh, was not around, and I I've only seen her out of drag, like you know, to come up to me and go, "Hi, Stella, it's Jacqueline." I said, "What? Oh!" So to see her in drag, you know, a month ago, and and to host the show. Uh, was hysterical. It was great to see her. Um, she's charming. She's funny. And she did the show with, um, um, oh my God. The short Hawaiian. Um, hibiscus? Hibiscus. Who has done our vaccine malicious show. And so the two of them together really complimented each other as far as, you know, being host yeah. kind of thing. Um, because Madeline's not going to be doing death drops and cooter slams. <laughs> You know, like hibiscus. Uh, but uh, I think she's a great talent. I think she's really good at what she does. Uh, I don't see, I don't get out to see her shows very much. I mean, she's right around the corner here, Haswell Green, around the corner from where yeah. I live. You know, so I should go and see her there. Next, we have Ari Kiki. Another one that I started with at Bartini when she was a mere slip of a girl. <laughs> and uh, I mean, both Shakrita and I, you know, at Bartini would look at this kid that just jump on stage and just throw herself all over the floor and just roll all over the place like like she had rubber for bones. Um, and we didn't get it. None of us got it. None of us knew that other people would get it. Yeah. Um, and uh, her humanity and her um, just, you know, uh, her humor, it just, you know, just wonderful. And uh, so she hired me to do it for a few things. And I did some things with her. And uh, I asked her to come and, and, and guest at the last vaccine illusions so nice. um, but we don't see each other very often because she does stonewall i do not do stonewall and uh, for other reasons you know mm-hmm. one other thing i don't talk to some people um so i don't go to stonewall um don't need to i mean it's you know i'm not looking for a gig um so um so, and, and ari's there a lot so i don't get to see her there next we have we've talked about her a bit already peppermint Oh, uh, Peppermint, you know, we started with Peppermint Gummy Bear. And uh, so back in the day when we were, I was on the board of the New York Blood Center, we would have the PR meetings in my apartment. So they were separate from the board meetings because the board meetings were stuffy and had to do with consent forms and vaccines. So in my house, you know, I'd put out food and stuff and we'd talk about the show we we're going to do or whatever. So Peppermint would come over, you know, we'd talk about this and that. We'd talk about boys, we had a Christmas mm-hmm. tree, we'd take pictures with everybody. And we'd hang out and we'd do things. And, uh, 
And then she grew and grew, of course, you know, I got bigger and bigger. And uh, I thought, you know, when I got laid off that she needed to be the, the queen of vaccine because we needed a person of color. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that she didn't want to do it because it'd be extra work for her. Uh, but finally she said yes. And we did a whole crowning thing and, and it was an ad and everything, which was really fun. Uh, us pulling, and we did the same thing with John this year. We did the same kind of thing, John and I. And uh, so, and, but, but with me, I was a little disappointed because she never talked to me about anything. You know, and we went to Columbia, we went to see a, an AIDS thing, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. after, you know, stuff. And she never talked about it. I had to find out, you know, later about her transition. But she kept it close to the vest, so to speak. You know, I mean, everyone has their own coming out for everything. Absolutely. When they want to do, when they want to do it. And so that's how she chose to do it. But I, again, don't socialize with these kids. I'm not young like them to go out with them where I would know them that well. So uh, I knew Peppermint pretty well, but not on the social level where I would have been around her and say, oh, and you didn't tell me and we were together all these times. No, we were together specific times about vaccine malicious and whatever. So, um, so, I mean, I think she's extremely talented, taught me a lot too, and taught me that you don't need to have matching jewelry and hose to win a fucking number. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, we did a great, uh, it's up on YouTube, uh, put, uh, if you Google Stellan Peppermint do sisters, we do sisters together. We have the matching. I love that. Uh, I'll show you matching parasol. <laughs> and it took me, we had like six rehearsals to teach her this choreography and put the, <laughs> everything but it's a great number we did for it was for vaccine delicious we did yeah all right next up holly box springs holly uh, again we know each other mostly from competing against each other at mm-hmm. barracuda basically that's how we knew each other and then i hired her to do one of our dance over 40 events and uh, and i'm old school in the sense of when i take off my clothes on stage i take off the real dress i don't have those mm-hmm. <laughs> i do i do it on purpose in front of the audience to show them, oh, I have one dress, then I have another dress, then have... and they appreciate that too. Besides Holly's, you know, Velcro and whatever, um, a pro, absolutely pro, you know, and uh, Spitfire can do anything. Um, and just and I'm uh, like I'm friends with Mama Box Springs. We always take pictures, to make sure that Mama <laughs> Box Springs gets a picture of it all. Same thing with um, Aquaria. Her mother and I, Gina, are you know close. Mm-hmm. We talk all the time. Gina, I love that. Younger than me, you know. Um, and she'll call and she'll email me, Stella, I haven't talked to you in a long time. How are you doing? Fine, Gina. You know, so I'm even friends with their mothers. I love that. Next, we have Yasmin Delano. Oh, I love her. We, it was, you know, when it was the era of, of Egypt and Yasmin and me and, and, and uh, Zaria, uh, we would compete all the time. All the time. It was, it was us. One of us would win. And we get pissed, you know, if uh, Yasmin won too many times. But she did the same number. And we got pissed and we went to Tina, you know. And, uh, and Tina said, she can do whatever she fucking wants. If the audience votes for it, they vote for it. You know, Tina was good, strict and, and, and above board. She really was. So, but she told Yasmin. So what happened was Yasmin changed the number and did the same choreography. But we laughed about <laughs> it, you know, and we laughed about it. Then I beat her. And then uh, we were tied once. And it was Tina that made us do a lip sync for our life to oh, I'm boy. telling you I'm not going. Oh, boy. Yasmin and me. And I beat Yasmin. And she'll never forget it. I, matter of fact, it just it was a TBD on my Facebook page where somebody filmed it. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so, uh, and uh, she said, you won because of that damn senior citizen death drop. I said, you did, you did death drop too. You know, but, uh, 
anyway, um, we all appreciate each other and what you know they do and what, what you know. I think she's great. Yeah. Well, next up, Zaria. Taught me a lot. I didn't even know anything. I mean, I taught, learned so much from both Jax, Coyote, and Zaria about trans people mm -hmm. that I did not know at all until Zaria. Yeah. And, you know, we got close and at Thanksgiving, I had Zaria and her boyfriend and Jax over for Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, because sometimes, quote unquote, you have trans friends or black friends that you're friends mm -hmm. with at a club, but you never ever socialize with them. Sure. And uh, so uh, we had a great time at Thanksgiving. And uh, she's a pro, absolutely. We've had to uh, lip sync against each other too, you know, and, uh, and she's a pro what she does, absolutely. You know, um, uh, I love her, I miss her, yeah, she's great. Next up, birthday girl, uh, I believe new homeowner, Egypt. <laughs> new part, yes. Um, I mean, I remember her when she just had this little curly black hair and, and no nothing. You know, I gave her my tits, matter of fact, her first set of tits. Mm -hmm. I said, come on, you got to wear something here, you know. And so what if I do this? And, you know, she tried to be you know, conceptual and do these things that other people were doing. She had to find sure. herself. She really had to find herself. And she had a place to find herself at Barracuda. Uh, and she found herself quick. I mean, she did. Um, and uh, uh, we got along great all the time. Uh, all the time. Just... Uh, a great kid. Uh, those, the two of them together, uh, the three of them together, were my mainstays for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And finally, of course, Tina Burner. <laughs> Boy, um, we went through a lot. Um, and uh, she's a pro, absolute pro. Um, she's one of the last people I can share dick pics with. I can't do that anymore. But uh, And it would be funny because, you know, when I started taking the pictures and everything and doing all the stuff was when Tina was post. And at the time, you know, she saw that the pictures were all underneath her, showing her chins. So she got very upset. She grabbed my phone and she got and look at my phone. Who wants to see Stella's dick pic? And she would like airdrop my dick pics to people, which you could do back then, which you can't do now. And you were mm -hmm. here. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so that was fun. But um, and Tina would always have me come on stage and do nowadays keep it hot because we mm -hmm. both do the number. And and anytime we got a fire island, I would do the number. Um, and we, we closed COVID. The last show before Barracuda closed for COVID, Tina said, you know, we can't have a contest. We're just going to do this. And everyone did numbers and she'd come out with us and with Nowadays Keep It Hot. So that was the last number that we did before COVID shut Barracuda. Yeah. So, um, and I've been to her place and uh, I sent her a Christmas card, a dirty Christmas card every year. It was a funny gift. Um, uh, so she sort of got me in check and, and, uh, got me to know who I am. It's so funny because she called me one day and she, and I didn't get the message. She sang to me, it's all about you, Stella, you know, and I called her back and I said, what do you mean it's all about me? I don't know, are you insulting me? And she went, don't you get it? It's from the prom, you should do. It's all not about me. <laughs> That's what she was trying to call me to say, do the number, it's not about me. So um, I did and mm -hmm. uh, won with it and that was, I did that number, matter of fact, um, out at um, Mixed Nobodies out in Bushwick. Mm -hmm. I was a judge out there. Nice. You know, even though it was not avant-garde. <laughs> I have a fan corner question for you. Uh, but you missed one important person. Who did I miss? Who did I miss? Shaquita. You're right. I just glossed right over it. Shaquita. Let's go with Shaquita. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned her already. Um, but Shaquita had her, uh, has her eye out for talent. She always did, even before there was pieces. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then when she saw me at therapy, she saw me winning, you know, she was this guy doing these numbers, you know? And then, as I said, you know, we, we met at this club, Amanda Lepore had a party. That was what it was. Mm-hmm. I was at the party. And uh, that's when she said she was forming and doing this queen thing. And so that's why I started working with her, you know, doing stuff. And she was trying to get me out of my comfort zone, which is very hard to do. Yeah. And if you see on my Facebook page, there's a picture of Shaquita as Lieutenant O'Hara and me as Captain Kirk, right? Mm -hmm. And that was 10 years ago. Um, So she made me do that. She made me do um, Amy, um, what's her name? Uh, Amy is dead. Amy Winehouse. Oh, Amy Winehouse. Yeah, yeah. You do Amy Winehouse. I had to get the big wig. She put the big wig on me and all that <laughs> stuff. And then I had to do Snooky. I had to do oh, Mama boy. Snooky. But I had my backup boys. I had Richard Sheffer and Anton Lamonte, like semi-naked, mm-hmm. you know, and I choreographed this number to do with them. And so she tried to take me out of my comfort zone to do other things. And she kept on sure, saying, yeah. we went to dinner at Elmo's. And she said, so what do you want to do next? You know, when do you want to do your own show? I said, it's not me. You know, I mean, I do specific things, you know. I don't do current numbers, you know? I do funny things, I do Broadway, yes. You know, and uh, I don't think there's a big audience for that to be just my own show. And Mm -hmm. uh, I like guesting and and hosting things here and there. And I think that's what I'm best at. Um, A couple of people, a couple of producers have thought about putting, pairing me with somebody and doing an old young thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you can do that, wanna do that, fine. That's in the back burner. Which is what Lindsay and I did, um, what, two years ago? Two and a half years years ago ago. already? Yeah, 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 yeah. So so that's fine. I love that. You know, that's that's great. So that's just, and so so my history with Shaquita goes way back. And uh, and she was pretty strict with me. She was pretty, you know, tough with me. Um, But she knew uh, people like Tina and and Shaquita um, get underneath Mm -hmm. person and know, know, know you pretty well. Yeah. Even though we don't hobnob and socialize, you know, like Tina does, say, with Yasmin in Egypt, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, Shaquita is a very important person for the community, I think. Absolutely. All right. Now, our fan corner question. And this is a question from Twinkie Boots. Yeah, I don't know. Who is the biggest diva you've worked with in and out of drag? Well, the biggest diva got to be Cheetah Rivera, huh? You can't get any bigger uh-huh, than Cheetah yeah. Rivera. I mean, hello. You know, I mean, be on stage, you know, no matter what, whether you're just talking to her or anything, you know, um, being with Cheetah Rivera is uh, an education uh, mm-hmm. of its own. Um, but as far as performing-wise, you know, I, I think that, you know, performing with Peppermint and Tina and Shaquita, you know, are, and I got to perform with them, yeah. As opposed to just sit and watch them perform, you know, do numbers with them, kind of thing. Um, uh, they're they're the best. Yeah. All right. So I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, and they never know who the guest is, and I feel like this is a very appropriate question for you. Uh, this is a question from Lola Michelle Kiki. <laughs> Our question is, what is your go-to song while having sex? I'm too busy. I'm <laughs> too busy to have a song. Um, it has to have a very something beat to match what uh-huh. I'm doing. You know? Fair, so, fair, uh, fair. So it's going to be danceable and fuckable, basically. Um, 
So uh, I don't use music. Uh, hey, that's an answer. That's all right. You yeah. need to have a, a but song. Let me tell you my little Michelle Kiki story. All right, uh, go for it. You know, I've known her for years. And and one time I did a, a, a Janelle Monet song and she was a very good and I won that night. She went, God damn, Stella does a rap song and she wins, you know. But um, I put up a picture of me doing my death drop. Mm-hmm. Um, Barracuda, and I won that night or something. And she took the picture and superimposed over it. Um, Stella winning at Barracuda is like getting an extra social security check every month. <laughs> it was very cute. It was very cute. Very funny. Now, obviously, um, we we haven't really talked much about your live sex shows, but we'll we'll put it in right here. What do you want to share? What can you share? Well, what I could share is the coming out story. Because that's what it's about. It's about coming out. And since I'm so much older, you know, I mean, I don't relate to a lot of the kids and how they came out now. But back then, you didn't come out because there no. was no word gay. There was no nothing right. for me in the 60s, you know. And then when I left and went to college, it was still the 60s back then. And uh, so I didn't identify at all. Uh, yet I was having sex with men all the time from when I was a kid. I was having sex. And I'm in a book, if anyone wants to get the book out in time, mm-hmm. by Terry Halkidis, it doesn't have a very nice picture of me. It's not painted a very nice picture of me. I have to be honest, uh, because it says, because I didn't come out to my parents, I'm never going to be a full person. Sure. And that everything was to sex because I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do drugs. So everything was sex. So and my father was a very sexual guy. Anyway, so, so was I. And so I ended up using sex because I was a swarthy Greek. I wasn't a pretty boy. So they weren't looking up from my neck up. They were looking from the neck down. Mm -hmm. So so I was always very popular when it came to sex. But boyfriends, not so so much. You know, I only had two and they weren't really real boyfriends, I would Mm -hmm. say. And that were in the 80s. But um, so, you know, all through my 20s, I was still having sex with women and still having sex and doing stuff. And... uh, so finally, about 1980, 1970, 78, um, there were, don't forget, there were movie houses to watch porno. Sure. Because that's the way it was back then. There was no internet. So you would go to a movie house, see a movie, and then once VHSs came out and stuff, there were video places to go to watch. And in order to entice you, since it wasn't a big movie theater, they'd have go-go boys. So they had a contest. And so I went to the show palace, place and paid my ten dollars to get in and and enter the go-go contest and i won a hundred dollars and i went back the next four weeks and won four weeks in a row you're just a winner all the time yeah so so then uh and i was much more hairy than you see that now (laughs) um because that was the look so Mm -hmm. uh so the last time i got off the stage the manager said you can't do this anymore i said what do you mean i can't do this anymore i paid my money to get in you have to work here i went oh my god work here you know, this is a, like a strip joint, but it was very clean, mafia owned, an advertising mm-hmm. agency ran it. That's how they put the ads in the papers. Sure. Advertising agency. Um, so I said, but I have a job. I have a full-time job. They said, well, just work weekends. We need people on weekends. So I worked Friday and Saturday nights. And uh, I was the old guy. Mind you. I came in there. I was 30 years old. These kids were 20, 21, 22, mm-hmm. you know. And so I had to prove myself, which I certainly did, or else I wouldn't have lasted two years there. Um, was it two and a half years until AIDS hit? And it was so liberating. It was 
it was, I, I met so many people, so many different kinds of people, and uh, you didn't know who you're going to have sex with. Mm-hmm. It was a love team of one person for 40 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, sorry. And then you had uh, Mardi Gras with everybody on stage for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you did like, you know, three love teams a night, then the Mardi Gras. And uh, people in the audience were not old men in raincoats, like you think. They right. were young guys that didn't know how to have sex and were watching us, mm-hmm. looking at us having sex. Mm-hmm. And people like fashion designers, who you sure. would know, were in the audience, you know, um, fresh from the houses on Fire Island. Fair. And uh, so it was not, and it was like a thrust arts, you know, like stage. You were, you know, virtually mm-hmm. five feet away from the audience. Sure. Yeah, this was not far away kind of thing. And uh, I had, it was great. I, would, I was teaching at Fordham, uh, in Chicago. I brought my kids down, you know, the <laughs> ones that were 21. Right. You know, to, to watch. And, uh, and my roommate, who was a female at the time, one of my roommates, Gail, made my G strings, but we didn't need those. We did live sex. But, um, and then Robin Bird, who I don't know if you all know too well, but she was big on cable back then, had a cable mm-hmm. show, female strippers and some male strippers. Robin Bird is very, but she would call Show Palace and say, I need some kids, some guys to do live sex at this club or that club. So I did 12 West, I did Mars, I did Crisco Disco. And so we'd have live sex on stage in front of everybody and get paid for it. And then I did the block party. And, uh, uh, but I couldn't stand the smoke. Oh, God, back then, mm-hmm. the smoke was still there. It was all right. over your body. You know? um, so once AIDS hit, you know, this one guy there uh, had a tattoo on his chest. And he was a big porn star, Bosch Wagner, his name was. I remember that. And uh, he had a big eagle or something on his chest. And he looked down, he said, I wonder if this is that, that, that uh, new you know, thing going around. And it was a dot, a little dot in the middle of his tattoo. Mm-hmm. And that's when the first article came out in the Times about hemocystis and Kaposi sarcoma. And that's when they stopped having live sex on stage and just had masturbation. And let me tell you, I wasn't going to be on that stage for doing that. Sure. So, and then I got my first boyfriend at that time. So that sort of got me through that. And uh, then activism happened and the floats happened. And then, um, so we kept the sex thing happening and then sex clubs happened when they started opening up when AIDS sort of didn't go away, but you know, we got tired and we had to go and, and meet with men with those sex parties. Sure. And uh, I met this black guy who was really a great guy and everybody was watching us have sex. And so finally he said to me, you know, why should we pay to do this? We need our own th- place. We should do our own thing. So I started having parties in my house with Lydell Jackson, who was head of Jackson Collar. Mm-hmm. So we had the parties in my house for five years, 10 years, until it got so big, 80 people, we couldn't have them in my house anymore. And uh, he was down at Paddles, which is not closed as of Pride Week. They closed, mm-hmm. they, uh, they evicted Paddles. So, um, so my apartment got well known, so then People started contacting me to have parties at my house. <laughs> so then I would have the Brooklyn Twinks. They were obnoxious. <laughs> of course. Wine. Oh, my God. And then I had the A-list gays, mm-hmm. the rich gays. Let me tell you, I'll tell you off camera, you know, the people that were there, you know, that were, you know, people on air on television, and people mm-hmm. in clubs, and, um, and people that I knew personally that didn't know me. Didn't know that I knew them. Sure. And uh, 
that are still on television, still identify as straight, and uh, whose father was the priest at my mother's uh, memorial. Let's go with that. So, right. uh, yeah. So I had that, and then uh, this guy uh, rents my apartment now and flies in from San Francisco, and we have parties every like three months here, and it's nice. his group of people. But now with what's happening with monkeypox, thank you very much. Suspended. I got my first shot on Sunday. So I've been a good boy. And, you know, I have to like train these people online saying, no, 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 no. You know, we're going to wait 24 days now, 28 days for the second shot. So it's going to be a, it's tough because I'm out there. And they always want video from me, Michael. I don't know why. But what I do. You know, I was at the baths like, you know, a month ago and this guy comes, I stay in my room. Mm-hmm. I don't go out and travel. People want to come to me. They come to me. I don't sure. you know, engage young kids. They want to come in. Um, and one guy's, oh, my, my boyfriend's having a birthday. Can you come up and fuck him? <laughs> I went, sure. So, Can we film this? Sure. Why not? So all of a sudden I'm getting oh, video requests. So, uh, so anyway, so that's what's on my phone. And, uh, and <laughs> I get out of it when I, I talk about it. But I do use that with my HIV work, is the point. Absolutely. Now, I talk about my the old days, what it was like, how it stopped, how it started up again. Um, I talk about PrEP. I'm on PrEP. Of course I am. You know, and I know how to get it. I can have, tell people, if you can't get it because you make just that too much money and not enough mm-hmm. money, you can go to a patient advocacy foundation, PAF. Okay. Give them your social security number. And... Most of the time, they will take care of it for you. Amazing. New York City usually takes care of it, you know, uh, but there are times when you're in this certain zone where you make a little too much money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but, not, but not enough money. So right. Patient Advocacy Foundation. So uh, separate them from Project Achieve. So that's how my that. work, you know, went with my HIV work. And, uh, and plus, Dancers Over 40 is funded by Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Right. And because he knew who I was, what I did, and uh, we do the flea market every year, and we raised seven thousand seven hundred dollars last year on tables. Amazing! Congrats! You know, for, for tchotchke things, playbills, and things. Anybody out there want to donate stuff? Um, let me know at StellaCreamMamaDayRoll.com, and um, we can pick up the stuff. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, full circle. Now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question, and you don't get to know who it is. That can be about anything you would like it to be. Uh, what was your most humiliating moment on stage and what did you learn from it? Oh, I love that. That's a good question. Well, here at Block Talk, we like to try to expand the community. Who would you like to hear an interview from in the future? Well, I don't know all the people you must have done 9,400 million people. Um, I think there's a lot of up-and-comers, you know, that mm-hmm. I love, like I told you, like Gray Area and Alex Demet. I don't know if you've done them yet, you know. Um, yeah. Um, I think they're, they're tremendous. Little Ronnie is a phenomenon. I mean, just, you know, brilliant at what she does, how she attacks the work. And uh, every week it's a different kind of number. Um, mm-hmm. And she identifies as, as bi, uh, a cisgender woman who's bi. Um, box of crayons, so talented. I didn't even know mm-hmm. she could dance until like, oh, I said, wow. You know, um, love her, love Stella Rise. You know, get a kick out mm-hmm. of Stella. 
to sell one of her costumes here that she left at Vaccine Delicious. <laughs> Does not fit me, that's for sure. Um, all these kids have potential. Um, nice. I, um, who else? Uh, Ture. Ture is one of the most honest, raw, great people I met at, at Barracuda. Love her to death. I love her. Uh, uh, right. Warrior Princess, I love. I could go on. You know, I mean, uh, that's what I love doing, meeting these kids and, and seeing them. Yeah. Grow. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, where can we find you on social media and Venmo? Okay, so at uh, Instagram, I'm at Stella Queen Mom. It's pretty easy. Matter of fact, my monkeypox video I put up there, I didn't even know that you could do a whole video anymore. I thought they were limited. Yes, you can. Second. Bingo. I put up like <laughs> 600, 600 shares or likes or whatever. There um, we go. So uh, at Stella Queen Mom on Instagram. And on Facebook, it's interesting because there was another Stella Dora. If you capitalize the O, that's the Philadelphia Stella Dora. And we got in a, like a Facebook challenge thing and I got taken off of Facebook for a while. So now I'm back on. So you have to make sure that my O is a small O, D apostrophe O-R-O. So, but if you want to go to Facebook, it's Stella.Doro1. But if you type in Stella Doro, you will see my face. You'll know it's me. Of course, of course. You know, so that's that. I don't have a, a, a Twitter. Um, I have a dance number 40 Twitter. I have a dance number 40 Instagram. There's so many different things and phone numbers I have to jiggle to do this because <laughs> you have people, you know, the, it's, it's difficult to, you know, to, um, to make different things. My Venmo is Stella-Doro. That's an easy Amazing. one. Um, and I don't have um, Cash App or Zelle or any of that stuff. Lucky Neither do I. I can't, it's Venmo. too much for me, right? It's, yeah. it's a lot. It's well, a lot. So this was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great, you know, connecting again with you and, and talking about this stuff and getting it out to a new generation of people. I've done these Absolutely. interviews five, 10 years ago, but that's another audience. Every yeah. two years, every year, it's a new generation of yeah. kids out there. So thank you for what you do, Michael. You're getting the word out, which is really important. A huge thank you to Stella for coming on. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.